Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. I'm not so sure that he's penciled in one way or another or that things are written in stone with some of those other young guys. I like the competition that this brings to those young guys to really have to step up and earn it. Because, I mean, again, if Vladimir Tarasenko gets healthy and when he does, he can be effective. Holy smokes, you've got that internal competition Doug Armstrong likes to talk about. That was Chris Kerber earlier today on Carriker and Smallman alongside Kerry Davis, who is in for Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Big move over the weekend. Now, technically, as I was just talking about with Kerry yes. Davis in the break, Mike Hoffman is not officially signed to the Blues. But for all intents and purposes, the Blues signed my, uh, Mike Hoffman over the weekend, a guy that has scored at least 20 goals in each of the last six years. A hell of a signing. This is exactly what they needed. Somebody that can come in and replace some of the production that you would be losing with Vladimir Tarasenko. And we were just talking with Danny Mack right. in the crossover about how I want the Cardinals next offseason to make that big time upgrade, right? I don't care where it happens. Just make that upgrade. That's basically what the Blues just did. Mike Hoffman probably should be playing on the left side or playing center. He's probably going to be playing right wing for the Blues because that's where they need him to play. This is exactly the type of move that they needed, Kerry, and I love that they made it. What would you make of the signing? Well, you know, getting goals scored is how you win games. (laughs) I've heard that somewhere. It's usually usually (laughs) how you win games. So getting a goal scorer, um, like we talked about Tarasenko, not not sure how long or or when he'll be back. Getting a guy that can put the puck in the net um, obviously upgrades your offense and allows you to, to, to win games and helps you do so. So getting him a guy that's been a, a 20-plus goal scorer for the last five seasons is definitely um, going to allow the Blues to, to continue to put pressure on opponents and, and put the puck in the net. I've always – so I bought a new car very recently, okay. Kerry. I, more accurately, I got a new car for my grandpa very <laughs> okay. recently. Okay. And one of the first things you have to do, as you know, whenever you get a car, is you buy insurance, right? Mm-hmm. You get the insurance in case anything goes south Yes. whenever you are driving said car. I think that's what the Blues did here, basically. Now, this is some premium insurance. I mean, yes. they are. They went to the market and said, what is the most expensive premium that I can pay for Give an insurance plan? Give me Give that. Me that. <laughs> if I wreck my car, I want to be getting every dollar that I can so I can go buy the exact same car, maybe even upgrade from right. this car, right? Right. That's what the Blues did here. Vladimir Tarasenko's out until probably February at a minimum, and then he'll be reevaluated. Maybe he comes back two weeks later. Maybe he's still not back for another two months from then. We don't know right now. It's possible the Blues could play the entire season this year again without Vladdy. Possible. I don't know how likely, but possible. 
so let, let, let's be on the positive side. Let's say he does come back in February. How potent does this team become offensively now with the addition of Hoffman? All of a sudden, to me, I think this team starts looking a lot like the cup team that they have. Okay where you've got a fourth line that is loaded with guys that could on other teams play on the third line. Right. You have three lines at any time that they come out. They are legitimate offensive threats. Jordan Cairo, who carry, we've been talking about all off season. This is the young kid. That's mm-hmm. been a prospect in the, in the organization for years. Now we thought he might get top six forward minutes. I don't know where he's going to play now. Right. And when Vladdy comes back, I have no idea if he's even going to be on the active roster. And I know that sounds crazy. It's possible guys like Kairou, Costin, Paganski, these guys could end up being like Texas, it, ta- taxi squad players. It creates, it creates more competition for Absolutely. guys to really go out there and, and put forth their best effort every single time because you don't know when or if those minutes are going to come at all. You have to be productive every time you're on the ice. And, and because the... When you add a great player or, or, or better players to your to your team, it, it just elevates everyone else. Now we all have to live up to that standard because this guy is going to go out there and give us this every single time. I want to play as well, so I better be either on par or, or, or you know, just below if I'm not as talented as that guy is. You've been on a championship team. What does that do for a team whenever you – in the offseason, going into the regular season, you get into training camp, and it's like, oh, well, that guy's really good, and that, that guy just scored 20 goals, and that guy won a con Smythe, and, and that guy played for the Boston Bruins. We saw him in the Stanley right. Cup a couple of – what does that do for a team when you look around and you see, damn, I, I got to raise my game a little it bit It gives here. you confidence, and, and, and as a younger guy, it allows you to say, oh, this is the possibility of what can be. And th- this, you look at the guys around you, you see – all these guys that have done such great things in their in their perspective sports in their perspective positions and you say hell i i want to be there i want to uplift our team as well i don't want to be the low man on the totem pole i want to get up there so as i said it just it, it elevates everyone's game and allows everyone to play at a higher level so i remember talking with jeremy rutherford about this last week and one of the things that we discussed carrying you you played for the steelers you had great ownership there it's really it's one of the things that doesn't probably get talked about enough in pro sports is how important the ownership is. Oh, yeah, because if you have a bad owner, it can infiltrate the entire bill. I mean, look at the New York Jets. They, they've been a mess for decades because of the ownership group there. It's the same thing in other sports, right? The Mets finally have competent ownership, and now we're seeing them start to maybe make some moves. The Knicks have been a disaster under James Dolan. Ownership is super important. And the Blues have really good ownership. And suddenly we're starting to see it more and more in recent years. And this is the latest sign. Jeremy Rutherford talked about that a little bit with us last week. Year after year after year, you know, it's gotten to the point now where we don't even question whether the Blues are going to spend to the cap because we know they are. And as you guys were touching on a couple of segments ago, they're going to spend more in actual dollars than the salary cap. And we're talking about during a pandemic. Carrie, think about that for a minute. You've got an owner that once Alex Steen's money goes on long-term IR, it it means they're still paying him. He's still getting that money. It just doesn't count for accounting purposes Mm -hmm. against the cap. And the Blues ownership went to Doug Armstrong and said, hey, when that money comes off, there's five and a half million dollars that you can spend above what the cap is this year. You go spend it. Let's go win during the middle of a pandemic when we have no idea if or when fans are going to be in the stands, what the revenue sources look like for this upcoming year. Man, in a market like St. Louis, that's almost unheard of. So 
I think there has to be a ton of credit that goes to Tom Stillman for allowing this to happen. Well, I, I think the teams that that kind of bypass the salary cap, so to speak, the, the Yankees, you know, the, the Warriors had a luxury tax that they had to spend for all of those years when they were winning championships. Winning championships is why you play the game. It's not for any other reason. And and spending money when you're you're not sure when fans will be back in, you're not sure how how much money will be coming in, but you know now how much is going out. And you're you're telling your team, you're telling your fan base, you're telling the people around this city, we want to win. We'll spend the money. We want to win the games, and and we'll figure everything else out later on. Because one thing about the Yankees, they may go over the the, the luxury tax every single year, but you know they are a known commodity and they are expected to win because they are going to put money into their players. And 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 teams like that, the Warriors, the Yankees, those are name brand teams that everybody knows are winners and champions. And the Blues obviously want to be in that in that conversation as well. And it would have been easy for them to say, listen, we want to see what Jordan Cairo can do. We want to see what Clem Costin can do. We want to find out what Robert Thomas can do on a top line as a center. And I don't think anybody would have blamed them. They would have said, okay, we'll, we'll talk ourselves into this. You'll still find out what they can do because now they have to elevate their games. If they want minutes, if they want to play, they have to. Because you got a guy in, you're plugging him in to play right now. Hoffman is going to, he's, he's your guy. Now these other guys have to elevate their game to be able to say, hey, I deserve an opportunity to play as well. I want those minutes that 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 I may have lost out on because of because of this signing. And if they get those minutes, we'll know they earned them. There you go. We'll, we'll know that this was because he was clearly the best guy for that job. Yep. Talking specifically about Jordan Cairo, whereas it previously could have been viewed as he's getting those these, these minutes because there's no one else. Who else were they yes. going to put up there? Right, yes. like Tarasenko's out. There's nobody else to put on that right wing on the top line. So yeah, okay, Cairo. By default, you're going to get some opportunities there. Not anymore. Not anymore. Nothing's going to be given to him, and I think that's a really good thing. We're going to talk about this further with Lou Korak, Blues Insider for NHL.com. He's going to join us coming up at 1130. We will have Alex Ferrario, typically my co-host, going to join (laughs) us coming up at 1215. We want to get his thoughts on this as well. But 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Alongside Carrie Davis, we also have Luke Clevenger in studio with us. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 1113. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, let's get into some NFL quick hitters, including did Aaron Rodgers win the MVP last night? It pains me to say this as a Chiefs fan, but I think the answer is yes. We'll get into that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario brought to you by Auto Setters Nissan on 101 ESPN. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into some NFL quick hitters coming off of what was an interesting weekend. Kerry, let's start with this. Aaron Rodgers last night was tremendous. Maybe even more specifically, Devontae Adams was incredible in that game last night. Do you think after a lackluster performance by Patrick Mahomes, it is officially time to say... Aaron Rodgers is going to be your 2020 NFL MVP. Uh, yes. And I think Aaron Rodgers, this might sound crazy, but he is probably not. He probably does not get the amount of respect that he deserves as being one of the elite quarterbacks in NFL history. I think he has the most um, um, arm talent that I've seen. His his legs, he, is, he allows himself to get. He doesn't run nearly as much as he used to. But his, his talent, his football IQ, his arm talent, his overall quarterbacking ability 
is one of the best quarterbacks that has ever played this game. And as highly as we talk about him, we still don't speak about him highly enough, in my opinion. I agree with you on all counts. First of all, that he's the MVP now. He officially in Vegas took over as the favorite earlier this morning. I I love Patrick Mahomes. That's my guy. That's that's my quarterback for my team, right? He has not been as good this year as he was in his MVP season. He's been awesome, but he hasn't quite been the same player that he was in 2018. He's had more down games this year than he did that season. Yesterday was just weird. The entire offense just seemed off. But really, this is about what Rodgers has done this season. Rodgers has been amazing. He's He has 47 total touchdowns. His passer rating is 119, the best in the league. He's thrown for 4,000 yards. He's been awesome. And, Kerry, you mentioned we don't give him enough credit for right. what he's done in his career. I've said all along, I think the best comp for Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers. That's not bad. If you're looking around at guys in, in modern history that do the things that we've seen Patrick right. Mahomes do early. That's a very, that's a very good comparison. It's Rodgers. Yeah, those two. And, and arm talent, ability to run when need be, you know, the strength to, to, to throw the ball as far as they need to. Patrick Mahomes has much better receivers as a whole. Devontae Adams is one of the, the, the best receivers for the life of me. I I, I I do not understand how he's always open. Uh-huh. I, I mean, if you're a defender for any opposing team playing the Packers, how you don't know where this man is. He was wide open in the end zone, lost two defenders. He just his, his footwork is amazing. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes has better talent as a whole around him. But that that comparison between those two is is, is very good on, on spot. I think that those Patrick Mahomes, if he has the career that Aaron Rodgers has, he will probably go down because I think I think he will win more Super Bowls than than Aaron has. coaching, right? Like yeah. you've got Andy Reid that's paired with Patrick Mahomes, whereas it wasn't exactly the greatest coaching situation for Aaron Rodgers yeah. for some of his career. Yeah, he, he, and and not always the they they make so much about not having a first round receiver that he's thrown many touchdowns. I think Mercedes Lewis is the only first round uh, receiver that he's thrown touchdowns to. He's drafted, I think, my year. I was about to say he's like 38 <laughs> and an oversized tight end at this point. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's uh, he, he, Aaron Rodgers has made a lot uh, happen without a lot of talent around him. And, you know, I think that those guys have, have just continued to grow. And I will say this, I will give you this, because I know you're over there stressing about the 17 to 14 win versus the hey, it wasn't low, pretty. lowly Falcons. <laughs> the Chiefs are bored. And I can tell you that with, with, with certainty, they are bored. They are not go- when once the playoffs come, I, I pick them to win the Super Bowl. I, I think they are bored right now. It's boring because it's so easy, and they are take. I, I'll give you an example. Can you flip that switch though? They can, and I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, they ran a fake reverse. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey was supposed to throw it to Mahomes in the end zone. He could have easily ran it in. He tried to throw it, got batted down. They are bored. They did that again. That Fourth was, and one. If that, they ran that, like a reverse pitch to Mahomes. They're, they're, what are they're we doing? Bored. If they were, if that was a playoff game, Kelsey would have ran it in. He wouldn't have been trying to throw a touchdown pass. They're just trying to find ways to create fun because it's so easy for them. Give them playoffs, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So I like that your pick is the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. If I told you, Kerry Davis, the Packers. if I told you though, I'm I'm. Putting the Chiefs and the Packers aside, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to pick either of those two teams. The other 30 teams are on the table for you. Who would you pick to win the Super Bowl if not for the one seeds in both conferences right now, the Chiefs and the Packers? Who else would you have on that on that level? 
there is, I mean, it's been so much bad football as of late. Seattle and, and the Rams was, was an, it just, I don't know what the Rams are doing. New Orleans, I don't trust because I, I just don't trust them. I think Drew Brees cannot throw the ball no more it's than bad. 20 yards. His his arm strength is, is, it reminds me of Peyton, his last year, who he just couldn't physically do it anymore, but is an all-time great. Um... If you were, <laughs> this is going to be a homer pick. <laughs> oh, here it comes. Should have known. Who saw this one coming? If you're going to force me to pick someone other than the, the Packers or the Chiefs, I'll give you two. I would say either the Buccaneers or my Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, he, he's just wearing a Victory Monday victory shirt Monday. today. Black he, and gold. There okay. You go. Yeah, yep. sure. Yeah. Nothing homerish <laughs> about that pick. I like your Bucks pick. I. Defensively, they are they are a very good football team. Um, minus Carlton Davis, who got smoked by Tyreek Reed, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> a few weeks ago. Um, but I, I definitely think the Bucks playing that the way that they have been playing, finding you know they have so much talent at receiver, and, and they obviously got Tom Brady. Um, that is a that is a very good football team that may surprise some teams here in the playoffs. I think we talk about the Chiefs flipping that switch in the playoffs. I don't know that the Bucks will for sure flip the switch, but there are certain teams that are, at least are capable of doing so. And to me, they're one of them, one I, of the few. I think the Bucks have finally found their groove as to who they are. And I think, you know, Tom Brady and, and B.A. B.A. Is, can be a bit much at times. You, you I, have experience I, I, with yeah, him. He can be he can be a bit much. And for a guy that, you know, Tom Brady, I, he, I'm sure he wants to be coached hard. He wants to be held to a certain standard. Um, but I think that that relationship has, has really found its groove. And they are Tom Brady probably understands the offense better, better understands what BA wants from him. And you got Mike Evans, Godwin, and, and and Antonio Brown is your third receiver. Come on, man, it's, it's not it's, bad. You, you you don't have enough people to defend all of those guys. They would be my pick out of the NFC. And if I'm going from the AFC, I've got to be consistent. I know last night was ugly. It was super <laughs> ugly. I want nothing to do with what happened last night. I still like the Tennessee Titans. Oh, that team scares me in the playoffs hey. as a Chiefs fan. Ah. I don't want to see Derrick Henry. He's impossible to bring down. A.J. Brown is a monster. Corey Davis is having an awesome season. Ryan Tannehill with his legs. I, it's just it's an element that if he decides to use it, it can always come back to bite you on like a third and 12. That's just backbreaking. That's the team in the AFC, if I'm a Chiefs fan, that still to this day, despite what happened last night, concerns me the most. I wouldn't. I think. If you cut the head off the snake, which is Derrick Henry, if you can stop him, I think that that team really becomes one-dimensional. And 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 they are they they're gonna do everything off of him. They're gonna run the ball, run the ball, play action, find uh, Corey Davis downfield, find AJ Brown downfield, Jonu Smith open in the end zone for touchdowns. He's a touchdown vulture, as my Mm -hmm. guy Mike Young used to say. (laughs) But if you can stop Derrick Henry, which I think Green Bay was doing pretty well they they they, they're not as good as 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 you would like them to be i don't know if Tannehill can put the team on his back and go throw 350 yards for four touchdowns and and derrick henry not rush for over 100 yards as a chiefs fan with our linebackers (laughs) that dude is terrifying in a playoff scenario absolutely terrifying i don't know if you watched the chiefs linebackers yesterday it was ugly, man. It, and that's against the Falcons, who don't even have – they don't even try to run the ball. They're like, here, we'll hand it off 12 times a game, but none of these – We don't know what these, the Falcons are doing. None <laughs> of these are actually like us 
pretending to be committed to this. The Titans are the most committed running team in all of football right now. So that they still scare the hell out of me. Speaking of committed, I don't know how committed the Bears are to Mitchell Trubisky. But I think it's officially a question as to whether or not they're going to bring back Trubisky next year after they got themselves back into the playoff mix. And now they are in a win and in potential scenario on Sunday. Now they're playing the Packers. Don't think they're going to win. But if they win that game, they're very likely going to end up getting into the playoffs. Carrie, do you think that they will bring back Mitchell Trubisky next season at this point? Um, Yes, because if not, where do, where do you go? Where do you go? You're going to rely on the draft. Where are they drafting? Are they are they they're not in the top 10 right now in, in draft order? I don't believe. Where do you go? And it's so hard to find a quarterback in this league to, to keep you in games. Uh, Nick Foles was was they made that decision based off of a, a, a Hail Mary touchdown against, I think, the Falcons at mm-hmm. one point. And that was a terrible Falcons team. They shouldn't have even it shouldn't have been that close. But where do you go if you don't have Mitchell Trubisky? Because he's he's kept you in the game, and as long as he's his mobility is able, his ability to 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 roll out and find receivers downfield, run when need be, they actually look better than they have in a while, and they're able to run the ball. Montgomery is finding he looks figured, great. He's figured it out somehow, and I think it all comes back to Mitchell Trubisky. His ability, you have to keep, you have to respect his ability to to pull it and roll out and, and find receivers down the field. So they're picking 20th in the draft as of today. Yeah, where, where, where are you going to go? That's not going to be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not going to be enough for them to be able to get their first round quarterback that they're counting on. So if Sam Darnold becomes available, I think he would be interesting for them. That's the, enough. So I'm glad you brought we, we we're gonna get into Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold I don't think you go anywhere with him either I think the Jets keep him really yeah yeah even if so they're picking number two they're committed at this point they are locked into the number two overall pick Trevor Lawrence is gonna go number one we already know that he's gonna be a Jacksonville Jaguar okay. and you go Justin Fields at number two either him or the the kid from BYU people seem to like him what's his name Wilson Zach Wilson he's got a cannon that's nice <laughs> Listen, Sam Darnold has won the last two games to prove to people I don't want to lose my job. And when people talk about tanking, oh, we're tanking. Yeah, they, them people in the front office may want to tank. Those guys on the field are playing every single day to keep their job. What and about Sam Carson Darnold, Wentz in, in Chicago? He's done in, 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 in Philly. Carson Wentz. Yeah. What about what about him going to Chicago, going to Chicago? Because he, he can't be back in Philly next year. I, I would I would much rather see him in Indianapolis. Same. Uh, but it, it, if I'm the Bears, going... if I'm in charge of the Bears, right, my options are like franchise tag Mitchell Trubisky or because free agent after the year, the franchise tag him or re-sign him long term. They, they won't re-sign him. They'll franchise him if they have to. $25 million next year for Mitchell Trubisky or, or trading. Or, and how much is how much is Carson Wentz? Like 22. Okay. At least <laughs> So so let me ask you this. Are you going to take the Carson Wentz that you've seen over this 12-game period this season versus the Mitchell Trubisky that you've seen over the last four or five games? We're 25 million versus 22 million. Uh, oh. And I'm trading a draft pick. <laughs> there you it's go. not great. There are, there are bad options. They're Very all around bad, bad options. Yeah. So if you're going to go, you, you would more than likely keep the guy in-house that you have and put him on the, on the Kirk Cousins plan. 
We'll, we'll, we'll franchise you, see how you play. You do well, you know, we'll franchise you again. You know what's going to suck for them? They very likely in this offseason are going to miss out on Allen Robinson now because he's a free agent to be able to resign him. Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's, it's life. With <laughs> Gary Davis, I'm Brandon <laughs> Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We'll get into some more NFL coming up at the 12 o'clock hour. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line. But coming up next, let's talk with our guy Luke Horak, Blues Insider for NHL.com. What did he make of the huge signing? I think it's amazing. Mike Hoffman coming into the mix for the Blues, potentially going to help out with that first line. What does Luke Horak make of the signing? How good does this make the Blues team in this specific division? We'll talk to him coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. That's Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Luke Korak, Blues Insider for NHL.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter at LCorak10. Lou, always appreciate the time, man. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. How you doing today? Good, BK. You too, and thanks for having me on. I want to know real quick, though, how do you uh, let Ferrario get away with having a day off? Listen, um, <laughs> I texted him last night and said, you knew this Mike Hoffman stuff was coming, didn't you? Because <laughs> our Blues guy suddenly takes off the day that they make one of the bigger moves of the offseason. Lou, let's let's start there. What would you make of the move? How do you like the fit with Mike Hoffman? Not officially, but a handshake agreement, if you will. Uh, kind of officially becoming the next Blues forward. I think it's a great fit, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a guy that they can find the back of the net. He's a goal scorer and somebody that's proven it, uh, obviously, over the last six years. is uh, I don't have the number handy on me here right now, but one of a number of players here, a limited number of players that's, you know, scored 20 or more in the last six seasons, which is a pretty good company to be in. And, you know, 29 goals and 59 points for, you know, a Florida team last year and a guy that you're going to be able to count on your power play and a guy that's going to fit into your top six while Vladimir Tarasenko is still on the men from that shoulder injury. And, uh, you know, you got to, you got to give a tip of the hat to Doug Armstrong for being able to uh, get this contract. Uh, well, like you said, still waiting for it to get done, but something that uh, is in the works and uh, should be uh, consummated by the time the regular season starts. And to be able to add a player of this caliber to this roster that's already strong is uh, is, is is a pretty fine accomplishment. Hey, Lou, you spoke about Tarasenko, and, and we're obviously all hoping he comes back healthy from the injury. Can you talk about how potent this team becomes when you have both of those guys on the line together? Boy, Gary, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a good problem for Craig Berube to have. And uh, when he does come back, uh, you've already got, you know, I was looking at it last night and trying to kind of come up with a configuration of uh, who your opening night lineup is going to be, and it's a pretty strong lineup you know, sands 91 in there. So when you put 91 back in there, who are you going to take out of the lineup? Uh, that That's going to be the million dollar question. And uh, I'll tell you what, you've got guys right now that could potentially play in your top six and that are not going to be playing in your top six. So when you add a guy like Tarasenko, it's only going to make it uh, that much more of a crowded house. So a uh, good problem for Craig Berube to have. And uh, you know, especially for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, who's a puck distributor, uh, 
boy, he's he's got to feel like he hit the jackpot here if there comes a time where, especially on the power play, if you see Tarasenko on one side and, and Mike Hoffman on the other, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty potent lineup. Lou Korak, Blues Insider for NHL.com, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Lou, what's this mean for a, a guy that we've been talking all offseason about, Jordan Cairo? Is, is he no longer going to get those top six minutes that we talk so much about? Boy, that's a great question. And again, it's a good problem to have because, yeah, I mean, you're not going to bring in a Mike Hoffman to play him on your third line or play him on your fourth line, obviously. He's going to slot into your top six. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a situation where I think Jordan Cairo is going to look at this and feel like, well, now my job's become even more difficult. And uh, to be honest with you, and again, we have no idea how this is all going to unfold. We're going to wait to see when training camp starts on Sunday, how Craig Berube is going to start to configure these lines. But, uh, you know, I can't see a Jordan Cairo fitting into your opening night lineup and playing on a fourth line, more of a grind line, just because that just doesn't suit his style. He's going to have to be a guy that's going to have to play with guys that are offensive minded, more playmakers, guys that are going to put him in, in, in good situations to be able to thrive in the offensive zone. So, He's going to have to work for his minutes. Uh, he's still young, and I understand there's uh, you know, some fans out there wondering, well, when are you going to give him his shot? Well, he's just, that's just the, way, the nature of the beast when it comes to this team, and they make you work for your minutes. And uh, you know, Robert Thomas is one of those guys that he's still continuing to work for his minutes, and we've got him penciled in as, as a top-six player now. You know, it, it's taken him a couple of years to get there, and I think Jordan Cairo is going to be in the same situation. Uh, the Blues have always been an organization that's preached patience with their young players. And uh, once they finally get some of that experience and once they finally are able to work themselves in there, Zach Sanford's another example. Sammy Blaze is another example. There had to be some patience displayed there. I think you're going to see the same thing with uh, Jordan Cairo as well. Lou, you spoke about Ryan O'Reilly having having those two guys on the right and left. Can you talk to me about what, what it means to, to be named captain of, a, of an NHL franchise. How, how important is that for those guys, and, and how will he take on leadership of this team uh, in place of Alexander Steen? Well, I think you've already seen in the couple of years that he's been here just the kind of leadership qualities that he's displayed. And, uh, you know, I, I think the organization has taken that into effect when naming him the captain. You've got a number of uh, experienced guys on this team that uh, could definitely uh, – are worthy of that honor. And, you know, in choosing him, that just speaks volumes of uh, what he's been able to do since he's come in here, how he's been able to handle himself, how he's been able to really lead by example to me more than anything else. I mean, he's not one of these guys that's going to get in your face. Now that could change now that he has a C. Obviously things, you know, you, you look at and go about things in a different way, but he's just one of those guys that, to me that really – in observing him and watching him is led by example. And that really rubs off on teammates. He's very well respected in the locker room. And uh, I think it's one of those situations where it's been a collective effort when it comes. And Alex Petrangelo talked about this all the time when he wore the C here. It's, it's not just me, the guy that's wearing the letter. It's the guys like Jay Bomeister and Alex Steen and Braden Shen and David Perron and Colton Pareko. It's really been a collective effort with this group, and I don't think that's going to change now that Ryan O'Reilly's wearing the seat. Final question that I've got for you, Lou. As I look in the uh, Western Conference and specifically at this, I guess we're calling it the Pacific Division that the Blues are in, 
it seems like it's the Blues, Colorado, and Vegas at the top of the division. Now that the Blues have made this Mike Hoffman signing, where do you see them fitting in? Are are they potentially the best team in this division now? That's going to be debatable. It's you know, it, I I had them up there without Mike Hoffman. Just just the resiliency and determination that this team always tends to play with, and you kind of you hate to always keep referring back to it, but you go back to their Stanley Cup season when. Uh, the chips were down for them and nobody really gave them much of a chance to accomplish anything. They find a way to do it. So I had them there to begin with, and this just solidifies them even more to me now. I mean, you can't, you know, discredit the fact that this is a defensive discipline team that likes to make it hard on you in order to have success. And, you know, it's a team that, yeah, you're always thinking adding some goal scoring punch will certainly help their cause. And this certainly does. So, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to continue to preach defense and discipline and uh, being hard to play against in their own zone. And that's not going to change. And that's that's uh, a philosophy now that although he's an offensive minded guy, Mike Hoffman's going to have to adapt to that coming into this organization. And uh, with the right tutelage and teachings of the coaches here and the teammates that he's going to be surrounded with, uh, I, I think it's going to be a seamless transition and it's only going to give them that much more of an opportunity to win that uh, West division and uh, be a representative and a solid one in the Stanley cup playoffs. He's Lou Korak blues insider for NHL.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at L Korak 10 Lou. We always appreciate the time man. all the best to you and your family. We look forward to seeing very soon. What a week away now, some coverage from you over on NHL.com of real hockey taking place in front of us. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. That's Lou Korak joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate his time. It's very rare that a signing makes all the sense in the world, like from the moment that you get to the offseason, and it just happens. It just works out the way that everybody had hoped that it would, and that feels like what happened here with the Mike Hoffman signing. It was like, okay, what does the Blues need? Mike Hoffman fills that need. He's very clearly the best player to fill that need, Mm -hmm. and then the Blues went and got it done. It doesn't always work out that way, so it's pretty cool to be able to see them actually get that done. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line to get involved in the show. We're going to get into some questions and answers. If you got a question for Kerry Davis, been to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl champion, if you got a question for him, football or otherwise, we'll get into those. Questions and answers coming up next. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's VK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario out this week, but he is going to join us coming up at 1215. Let's talk about the news of the day. Mike Hoffman signing with the St. Louis Blues. But right now, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. This one comes from the 314. Guys, when you talk about the MVP, do you also think there should be another award That is excluding quarterbacks since that's basically the only position that is eligible for the MVP at this point. Gary, what do you think about that? Having like a most valuable non-quarterback award. Well, they, they, I believe they had the offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, Mm -hmm. MVP. Maybe, maybe if the MVP isn't, is a quarterback, maybe you, you give that, that offensive MVP to someone else. Um, it's always it's a quarterback league. I mean, I, if you haven't figured that out yet, the way the quarterbacks barely get tapped and get penalties called for them, 
you know, if you it's a quarterback driven league, quarterbacks make the money. It was a it was a commercial years ago. Baseball chicks dig the long uh-huh. ball. They wanted people to hit home runs. Well, we want to see quarterbacks throw the long ball. So, you know, it's it's definitely um, it's an MVP. It's, it's a quarterback award. It's a quarterback driven league. Would I like to see other people given the opportunity to to win those awards? Yes, but I think you give it to the best player overall. And right now. Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes are the two highest, you know, playing pl- p- playing players in the league, and, and they deserve that award. Absolutely. I I think the MVP makes sense to be a quarterback award. I think offensive player of the year, at least the way that I view it, I don't know if everybody views it this way. We all have our different criterias. I view that as more of like the best offensive player as opposed to the most valuable Who would you give offensive that to player? right now? Who, who, in your opinion, would deserve that Award. I think there's two guys and it changed a little bit for me last night because I thought Derrick Henry was certainly deserving going into that game. But the way that they it's only one game, you don't want to put too much weight on that. But it was a, a huge game for yeah. the Titans that hurt his chances. I, I think I would probably and this is not a homer pick, but he's done something that literally no other player of the positions ever done. I got to go Travis Kelsey. Hmm. He, as, as much as people talk about Tyreek Hill and the threat that he is for the Chiefs and he is he's a great player. Travis Kelsey is the engine of that offense. When they needed something to get going, especially yesterday, it wasn't Tyreek Hill that they were going to. It was Travis Kelsey. He has more yards than any tight end in the history of the league. I think right now, if I'm not mistaken, he's either first or second in the league. in receiving in the league. That never happens with tight ends. And he's not going to end up there because he's probably going to rest this upcoming weekend. And he's only 40 yards ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, who will almost certainly pass him at the very least. But I think he'd probably be the guy that I would go with for offensive player of the year. Who would you go with? Oh, I was looking at at I mean I'm looking at the t- touchdowns. I, I I like Tyreek Hill. I think he is a a nightmare as a matchup. Um, Derrick Henry obviously leading the league in rushing and and he had 98 yards last night, but probably didn't feel it didn't like feel that way at all. Yards. Um, I, I think you would go. I, I, I may agree with you in, in in Travis Kelsey because he's doing something that that has never been done and it's it's personally on a personal note i am bothered because i f- play fantasy football sure. and i had a choice between him between him and george kittle <laughs> and i took george kittle you made the wrong choice carrie <laughs> clearly, clearly. It didn't go well for you yeah. i had a choice between clyde edwards alaire and alvin kamara this year in the first round you went with a homer pick i i did yeah i did that, it's my awful. home league it's with a bunch of kansas city kids so i was like there's no way i'm getting clyde if i try to wait here right yeah. and so i was like ah what the hell i've I, this is not a this is not a brag. I've won the league last year, so I was like, I'll just I'm getting a little confident, yeah, you know, I'm yeah, feeling myself a yeah. little bit, and I was like, I'll just I'll go with the guy, I'll make it up later. Yeah. Nope, no. horrible this year. I was second worst team in the league as a result of that terrible decision. It happened. Uh, six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the three one four guys. My question is that I love the signing of Mike Hoffman for the Blues, but my worry is they might have too many new guys. It could potentially mess up the chemistry. Do you at all feel that the chemistry could take a hit because of new faces? I want to ask you about this because you've been on a championship team. What does it do? Because last year, the Blues basically ran it back. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they added some new faces, but more or less, they had most of the same guys as the championship team. I've always been of the belief, but I've never been in those locker rooms. It's helpful to add some fresh blood, some new personalities to the mix to be able to keep things fresh. What do you think of that? 
I think it, it, it comes down to your, your leaders in that locker room and, and the guys that have been there that understand how you handle business, how you go about your day-to-day um, of things and making sure that the new guys that come in, you know, you can have your personality. Everyone is different. Everyone has, has different things that they like to do, different ways that they are, that they prepare for practice or games. But understanding, hey, this is how we go about our business. We work, we work, we work. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy one another. But we're going to work our ass off every single day to make sure that we are all on the same page and 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 going after one common goal. And and when you get those new faces in the locker room or in the clubhouse or you know on your team, you understand that they have to understand this is how we do business and this is how we're going to go about it. And that makes the transition seamless when they when when everyone is on the same page. And the the beautiful the fun thing about it is new guys bring in new new things. You know, mm-hmm. they may bring something from their old team or things that they've done in the past or just their quirkiness that, that they are, who they are, and, and now you have another guy to have new memories with and share laughs with and joke with about different things. I also think maybe this is just something I make up on the outside or that we make up as a narrative. I like having somebody else that hasn't already reached that mountaintop that they are pushing for that, right? right? It keeps everybody pushing towards that same goal. Not that you get lackadaisical with your your work or anything, but once you get to the mountaintop, it... I feel like it from the outside looking in is a little bit harder to push to get to that same place again. Yeah. And we've got other guys that haven't been there yet. They can help push you towards that goal. And they, they see what you all have done. They Oh, you all want a championship. I want to be, I want to have that feeling. What did it take to get there? What do you need from me in order for us to get back there and, and, and win another one? Six, five, seven, eight, oh, is the air comfort service text line. We talked about this a little bit off air, Carrie, the big news in the NFL today, Dwayne Haskins has officially been released by the Washington football team from the 314 guys do you think Haskins will get another NFL job what do you think about that Kerry he will get another job more than likely it will not be a starting job and that's just I mean this business is is rough you were the captain of the Washington football team you were seen out hanging out without a mask at a club um and now you are you were replaced in the game by Heineke the backup Battlehawks quarterback. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> and now you are out of a job, and it goes that fast. In a week's time, this is his lifeline in a week's time of what happened to him as an NFL quarterback. And and you got to go home. You got to sit down. You got to reevaluate the important things and how important it is to to have that position, have that job, and and see if you can you know get another one. But I, I don't think he'll be – he hasn't played well enough to be a starting quarterback in this league. Can he be a backup? Can he be a practice squad guy? Yes. But I don't know that he gets another opportunity to start for a football team in the NFL. If Jameis Winston is backing up somebody this year. And, and still not playing even when that somebody went down. There ain't no way in hell Dwayne go. Haskins is going to be starting next year. By go. the way, Washington, the football team, has officially released a statement on this release. This comes from Ron Rivera. Quote, this afternoon I met with Dwayne and informed him that we would be releasing him. I told him that I believe it benefits both parties that we go our separate ways. We want to thank Dwayne for his contributions the last two seasons and wish him well moving forward. That's tough. That's not what you want (laughs) as a guy that is in your second year in the NFL. But this is what it is, man. Things change quickly in this league, like really, really quickly. There is also one more piece of news, this one coming from baseball. Wow, things are starting to really escalate for the Padres. According to Dennis Lynn, who covers the Padres for The Athletic, this potentially affects the NL Central. Even after landing Blake Snell, the Padres are in deep talks to acquire Yu Darvish from 
the Cubs, sources tell him. If the deal was completed, multiple players would head to Chicago as a result. Let's talk about this a little bit on the other side, Carrie, because I think the Padres are my new favorite baseball team. I'll explain why coming up on the other side on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We'll get to Alex Ferrario coming up in about 10 minutes or so. I want to ask him about the news of the day with Mike Hoffman. But there is some news coming out of baseball right now. Apparently, according to The Athletic, the Padres are in deep talks to a p- potentially acquire you Darvish from the Cubs. Uh, it would end up sending multiple players to Chicago as a result of this trade. This coming just like 12 hours after... The Padres decided to trade for Blake Snell the other night. I mean, Blake Snell at this point, if they decide to acquire Darvish, could be their fourth starter. It's wild what they're doing in San Diego. And they might not be done. There's also a Korean shortstop that they're apparently the favorite for as well. Ha Sung Kim who's coming over the States. He's going to be signed at the very minimum by this weekend. Padres are being super active. I want to ask you this, Kerry, because I know they're in the National League. I know that I'm supposed to be rooting exclusively for the Cardinals in the National League. Am I allowed to root for the Padres at this point? Because, dude, they're fun to watch. They they are everything that I want the Cardinals to be. They are. They are what the new generation of baseball is. And, 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 you know, baseball, they they say the NFL is the no fun league. Baseball is really (laughs) the no fun league. They don't like. It, it, there's this old uh, adage of, of play the game and the right way and don't do this and you don't do that and you don't celebrate. That's boring. <laughs> Fernando Tatis is junior is fun. He's fun to watch. Manny Machado is fun to watch. They are a fun baseball team. Um, they they do things you know unconventionally differently than 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 the 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 way that baseball has been thought of for hundreds of years. So. Yes, you can cheer for them because I'm going to cheer for them. I like watching fun baseball. I like seeing guys hit home runs and get excited. I like seeing guys steal bases and get excited and look to their teammates. It's not showing the other team up. If you don't like it, play better. Mm -hmm. No one cares about your feelings. You should not throw a 100-mile fastball at my head because, because I hit a home run and I was happy about it. Play better. Throw a better pitch. Give me Give me something that'll get me out. But... You know the, the the mindset of of not having fun and not playing the game that way is is crazy to me. And these guys play that way. They have fun. They're excited. They're fun to watch. And their front office is backing it up, right? Like they're in the same division right now as the Dodgers. If I were in charge of the Padres, it would be very easy for me to sell my fan base on. Hey, listen, this is not the time for us to contend because the Dodgers <laughs> are over there, and they're basically what the Golden State Warriors were in basketball right. for like that four or five year yeah. stretch, where it's like. Nobody's beating them. There, There is no way to go up against that behemoth over there. The Padres, meanwhile, again, in the same division as that team, are staring down the barrel and they're saying, no, nah, we see what you're doing. We're going to go ahead and try to one-up that. Yeah. We're going to go sign Manny Machado. We're going to develop Fernando Tatis Jr. into a superstar. Eric Hosmer's available. Okay, yeah, we like him. We're going to go ahead and sign him. We're going to trade for a guy in Tommy Pham that we think is a devalued um, asset right now. Right. We think that he's going to be a really good player for us. Oh, and now we're going to go get all of the pitching. <laughs> like, anybody that is available on the trade market that has been good within the last two years, yeah, they're now going to be for us. Mike Levenger, I know he's not going to be playing next year, but he's with them for the next two seasons. 
They traded for him in season this mm-hmm. year. Now they go out and they get Blake Snell. Now it appears they're going to go out and potentially get you Darvish. This is the aggressiveness with which you have to have in the National League right now if you're going to contend at a high level with the Dodgers. If you're not willing to make moves like this, you're you're not going to compete with them. You can compete to make the playoffs, but the Dodgers right now are one of the best, most talented baseball teams I've ever seen assembled, at least in modern history. I, I guess my, my thought process is when you have, you know, a bunch of guys in the farm league and guys all over the place that you're just stockpiling. What are you waiting for? What I mean, and speaking about the car, what are we waiting yeah. for? The point is to win games and win now. And, and I think that's what the Padres are doing. They want to win. They understand that the window is open. There's an opportunity there. Yeah. The Dodgers are, are a little bit North of us. They're, they're, they're right up the highway. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good, but you know what? We can be as well. And, and the only way to win a championship is to actually beat the teams in your conference, in your division and then go and and take care of you. You're gonna have to beat them at some point anyway. So why wait? Why why what are you what are you afraid of? And I think that what you're saying with the Padres, what they're doing, we're gonna go get all of the pitching available. We <laughs> yeah. got the best hitters available. We got, you know, one of the best infields. We're gonna do this now. And you know, the hell with those guys. We wanna win. We got to play them anyway, so let's go win. Let's go so, try to win it all. There's two other things locally here that I think this potentially impacts. Let's let's start with the Yachty portion of this. Yadier Molina might be an option for the Padres suddenly because now they've got a lot of, at least in my opinion, they've got a lot of pitching, a lot of young pitching. If I'm the Padres, I want to get the most out of that pitching. I've already got a lineup that I think stacks up with anybody in the National League. It's about as good as you're going to find out there, especially that top four. We saw that, unfortunately, up close in <laughs> personally whenever they beat the, the Cardinals in the postseason. That lineup's really good. You had Yadier Molina and he's calling the game for those pitchers, suddenly you're going to be able to maximize whatever it is that those guys have in them. And if you're going for it right now, well, Yadi's got one or two years left. He would be a guy that makes a lot of sense for them. So as much as we've talked about the Yankees, as much as we've talked about Philly, those, those East Coast teams, right? maybe the Padres end up being the team that kind of gets into the mix here at the end. And if he wants to win, if that is truly the number one priority for him, well, it's pretty hard for me to make the case right now that the Cardinals are going to be better suited next year to win than the Padres are now. That would be an interesting team. And and having a veteran that has done it, that has done it for so long, played at such a high level, in my opinion, Hall of Famer, I know there are thoughts that he may not. I don't know who those people are. They, they obviously haven't watched him all of these years. Um, getting him there with that, with that young core of guys, that, that will do something for him as well. Re-energize him, Absolutely. allow him to be more excited every single day about coming to work and, and tutoring and mentoring those younger guys and also being on a team that is is excited to win right now. I I, I, that might actually be a good good landing spot. For and we've him. all seen him in the World Baseball Classic, the passion yeah. that he plays with whenever he's in the World Baseball Classic. You could see a little something like that whenever he's playing with Machado yeah. and Fernando Tatis yep. Jr. Yep. Like the, I, I'm just trying to imagine somebody trying to steal second with him throwing <laughs> it to Tatis. Like that, that'd be a little fun to watch. It would be. Obviously, I hope that he ends up staying in St. Louis, but that would be a lot of fun to watch nationally as well. The other thing that I would say about the Cardinals is now it's not just the Dodgers that you have to contend with for not only this year, but 2022 as well. Moving forward, the Padres are now on a similar level. And so when we talked earlier today with Danny Mack about, hey, what what do you want the Cardinals to do? And we talked about this uh, again, the Korean shortstop, Hassan Kim, who is potentially going to also be added to the mix for the Padres. Well, if, if that's what you're up against, 
2021, the Cardinals probably aren't winning the World Series. I think all of us agree with that. Next year, though, you have to add something of significance. It can't just be another offseason where you're adding a Brad Miller to the mix and you say, okay, that's our offseason. Hopefully this goes well for us. There need to be studs that are added to this lineup because you look around the National League, man, the Dodgers have stars three or four deep in that lineup. Same thing for the Padres. Same thing for the Braves. You're seeing that with the Phillies and the Nationals. The Mets are going to be added to that list. It's it's going to be hard for me to rationalize this team as a contender over the next couple of years if they don't start making some big-time moves. We were, we were talking about a few studs that were actually here that are, are no longer here, and, and I asked your opinion on it, Rosarina, Rosarina and, and, and Marcelo Zuna. You let those guys walk and, and not have anything to re- really replace them. I, I think those guys were kind of what you were speaking to right now. And, Could have been, and, yeah. I mean, especially the, the way that Randy Rosarina played in the, in the in the playoffs, he was on fire and and really kind of set himself apart for you know I think for years to come. I know he had a little setback and issues once the season was over, but when you lose guys like that, how do you get that back, or where do you go to find that when you already had it in house? Because you know Ozuna was playing played very well, Randy played very well, and and now you don't have those guys here. Where do you go now? It's hard. It's hard because finding guys, especially like Randy or Rosarena, and this is what I'm concerned about is I wonder if they're going to keep trying on Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill longer now because they don't want to have the same mistake happen again, right? So they're basically doubling down on what was a mistake by trading Randy or Rosarena. Was he better than those two? Coming, it certainly he, seems he, like it now, right? <laughs> like, it seems like they picked wrong. Yes. Okay. Now, when they traded him, did people view him as being better than Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas? I don't know. I think some I Cardinals so. fans yes, definitely did. I thought so. The front office apparently did not, and that appears to have been a pretty clear mistake. And so now it feels like they're chasing their tail a little bit where they're like, okay, well, we've got to find this outfield production, and they've been trying to find that outfield production now for six years. I mean, it was Randall Gritchick. It was Steven Biscotti. We've seen Tommy Pham out there. Like Harrison Bader was going to be the savior. And then you got into this current mix with Tyler O'Neill, mm. Lane Thomas. They went out and got Dexter Fowler. Like they, they've, they've tried to find answers out there and they haven't been able to. Marcelo Zuna, one of those guys they tried. It worked okay, but it wasn't to the degree that they had hoped. Right. The problem is whenever you start seeing these guys like Ozuna and Rosarena go elsewhere and have the success that they had, it brings some significant questions into, okay, what's happening here? Is it the rest of the lineup doesn't have the protection that they were able to get elsewhere? Is it that they weren't coached the correct way? I don't know. I don't know what's going it, it, wrong, it, but it, it begs some questions. It's something missing that that when guys can leave and go elsewhere and, and have success, it, it begs the question, well, what's going on here that they weren't able to have that success to the level that they, they would have been able to stay here? And they got to find the answer because right now the rest of the National League is getting better. The Padres are adding seemingly every day. There's a new story about the player that they're adding that was really good very recently. The Giants, I just saw a story the other day from Buster Olney. They're apparently going to be big in the market next year. They want to start spending again next year, and we know that they're willing to. I didn't mention the Dodgers. The Braves, the Mets are spending. The Nationals are going to be on the way back up at some point. The Cardinals can easily win the NL Central. And you, Darvish, being traded from the Cubs certainly signals that they are truly getting into this rebuild that they've talked so much about. But 
getting to the World Series out of this National League is getting harder and harder with the way that these teams are actually trying to compete right now. It is 12-14, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, our guy Alex Ferrario is going to join the show, pre-post and intermission host for the Blues. What did he make of the signing, Mike Hoffman, over the weekend? And what does this mean moving forward for Jordan Cairo? Alex Ferrario will give us his thoughts coming up next on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario brought to you by Auto Centers Nissan on 101 ESPN. That is Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Speaking of Ferrario, he's off today, but we had to put him a little bit to work. We couldn't give him the full day off. So let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. My guy, Alex Ferrario, pre, post, and intermission host for the Blues. We couldn't keep him away from the radio whenever the Blues made a big move like signing Mike Hoffman. Ferrario, how you doing, bud? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, you can't keep me away because I heard Kerry Davis was on. Uh, and when you get a Super Bowl champion on the radio, I can't be Wally Pipp. So I had to make sure I came on with you guys sometimes. I'm just keeping the seat warm for you, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm just holding it down for you for the day. I appreciate it, but you guys are sounding great. But, no, I'm, a, I'm excited to talk about this stuff, man, because it was exciting news yesterday when we found out about Hoffman. So let's get into it. What did you make of it? Your initial reaction was what? My initial reaction was, okay, this is a joke because, like, a Mike Hoffman doesn't sign a PTO. But then I go back and think about it, and Doug Armstrong is a magician. Like, this is, this is his handiwork. Like, this is a conversation where it was a, a under-the-table handshake between these two teams or these two sides that basically said, look, we can't do anything right now, so we're going to bring you on as a PTO, but – we're going to sign you once we can put these guys on LTIR. But look, I mean, my, my mind goes everywhere with this, guys. I mean, you're bringing in a guy who scored 65 goals in his last two games. You're bringing in a guy who right now makes you the second best team, I think, out of every team in the West, right behind the Colorado Avalanche. But I would put them 1A and 1B. You're bringing in a guy who hasn't won a Stanley Cup that is going to have that drive for a Stanley Cup. And you're bringing in a guy who is going to not only make your depth at five-on-five incredible, but it's going to make your power play probably the best power play in the National Hockey League going into this season. So, I mean, everything about the signing makes sense. And again, this is just Doug Armstrong being Doug Armstrong, not playing the if card, but playing the let's go win another championship card. So, Alex, we can can say that you said it right now, Blues win the championship this year. Is Is that what we're predicting? This way, is oh, that what this oh, yeah. did? Who could have seen that one coming? <laughs> Alex Ferrario yeah. thinks the Blues are going to win the cup. I was going to say, Carrie, please, as soon as I saw this happening, I was eating dinner with my wife, and I turned to her and I said, baby, we're going to have another Stanley Cup parade this year. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. So so Hoffman is, is definitely a, a guy that can put the puck in the net. Who else do you see on this in this lineup that can that can score goals and, and, and keep the pressure on teams uh, in a way that allows them to win more games and, and, and have more success? You know, that's a great question, Kerry, because I think this has a ripple-down effect with Mike Hoffman signing this contract. When you bring Mike Hoffman onto this team, what it does is it makes everyone else, they have to step their game up because if they don't, their game is going to kind of drop in terms of ice time because of Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman on a line, which I, I hockey nerded out, and BK knows this about me, last night I put the lines together for me, and 
I'm putting Hoffman on a line with O'Reilly and Perron. And you know what that does? That puts two elite snipers on a line with probably one of the best passers in your team right now and Ryan O'Reilly, but it creates depth. It, it makes, it makes Braden Shen and Jaden Schwartz that much more potent when they have their ice time because they're playing with a Robert Thomas until Tarasenko comes back. And when Tarasenko comes back, oh my gosh. I mean, you're putting Robert Thomas on a third line with a Sammy Blay, a Tyler Bozak, a Zach Sanford. Hell, you could put Mike Hoffman down on that third line and make it duo pairings. But what it does is it makes everyone else better. And it's going to put a lot, it's going to take the pressure off of guys in terms of ice time so you can divvy it up more. And when you're going to be playing these teams basically every other day, Colorado, Vegas, like this is going to take a toll on the body. So you got to have depth. And what Mike Hoffman does is he takes that ice time off of guys like O'Reilly and Perron and Shannon Schwartz so that they are, are a lot healthier when it comes to. Uh, the kind of finish line of the regular season and then going into the postseason. Alex Ferrario, pre-post and intermission host for the Blues. You're home for the Blues, 101 ESPN. We are getting close to the season. The Blues made a big signing with Mike Hoffman. You can find Ferrario on Twitter, at Ferrario underscore 101 ESPN. Uh, Alex, I, I wanted to ask you about what this meant for Jordan Cairo because I don't think there's anybody that we've talked more about this offseason than Cairo. Is he now going to potentially be at risk of losing his spot in the lineup entirely? I think so. I mean, you figure you got to have a 23-man roster to start the season, right? And, of course, you have that four- to six-man taxi squad, but all signs pointing towards Vince Dunn signing a contract with the team. Guys, with Mike Hoffman and Vince Dunn, that puts you at the 23-man max. Now, with Tarasenko out and then coming back, you can put a player there but look, I mean, you got depth right now. You got a Jacob De La Rose, who was very good for the Blues in the bubble this past season. Uh, Mackenzie McEachern, who was a fourth line guy that Craig Berube loves his game. And then you got a Costin and a Jordan Cairo. So, yeah, I don't think Jordan Cairo's role is guaranteed right now going into this camp. I think he's on destined for a taxi squad spot playing in the AHL and the NHL. And he's going to have to prove it in training camp. I think it comes down to. Sammy Blay and Jordan Cairo getting one of those last spots. And whoever has the better training camp is going to be on the opening night roster playing in the game. And the other guy is going to be watching from the bleachers. And a lot of that is because of Jordan Cairo just not kind of playing to the style that the Blues want. Um, there's going to have to be a little bit more physicality on Cairo's game. There's going to have to be a little more defensiveness on his game if he wants to get into the lineup every night. But look, the Blues got to know what they have in Jordan Cairo. But the good news is he's controllable over the next couple of seasons because he's still kind of young on a rookie contract, hasn't played that many games in the NHL. So you have time still. But if anything, it's going to make Jordan Cairo play better. And you're going to find out really what he has to offer because if he wants to be in the lineup and play in the NHL, he's going to have to outperform guys like Barbashev, Sunquist, Sanford, Blay. Bozak and even a Mike Hoffman. Hey, Alex, we've been talking a lot about offensively and, and scoring a lot of goals. What can we spe- expect from this team defensively, uh, Jordan Bennington, and, and, and just the, the defensive end of, of, of things on the ice, ice rink? Well, I can tell you this, Kerry. Defensively, you can expect a lot of offense now. I mean, <laughs> I, I was looking at this last night, and again, this is my hockey nerd coming out. So, Mike Hoffman, we all know, is a power play guy, right? Like, he scores power play goals. He's got the ninth most power play goals since the 2014-15 season. Well, the guy on the team who has the second most assists on the power play at that time is your new defenseman, Tory Krug. So 
there's going to be a lot of offense and skating into the offensive zone and transitioning of the puck with this team. But on the defensive side, I think that's still a question. Like you, you have Jim Montgomery now, who's a defensive minded coach. You have Craig Berube, who we all know has changed the identity of the team when he took over. This is going to reside a lot on Jordan Bennington and one, how healthy he's able to stay and two, if he's able to kind of overcome those, those mishaps that took place in the bubble, because Teams kind of owned him in the bubble. They found a weak spot, and they took advantage of it. So this team, in my eyes, is still one of the best defensive teams in the Western Conference, but there are going to have to be guys that take their game to the next level. Like Pareko's going to have to take his game to the next level. So is a Justin Falk. So is a Marco Scandella. So is a Vince Dunn when he plays. And it's going to be a lot of uh, it's going to be a lot of onus on the forwards as well, making sure that there's back-checking and playing smart in their own zone and not doing that run-and-gun style of hockey because if you do that and you try and beat teams with speed, they might beat you with that. So it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's a question going into the season, but I think it's still a strength of this team. Alex, last question that I've got for you. We're talking with Alex Ferrario, pre-post and intermission host for the Blues. You can follow him on Twitter at Ferrario101ESPN. As you look at the roster today, and you compare it to the roster that the Blues took into last season. So not into the bubble, but took into last season. Are the Blues better right now than they were going into last year? Hell yes, they are, BK. (laughs) Plain and simple. I mean, look, going into the season last year, there was a lot of excitement because you brought in a Justin Falk, and that was going to upgrade the offense. You still had the same defensive unit, but the forwards – you were a little concerned because you lost Pat Maroon and that was some size on the, on the, on the front end that you didn't have anymore. That depth was gone. Now the depth is back and going into the season right now, even without Vladimir Tarasenko, you have a sure to be 25 to 30 goal scorer on your roster with another 25 to 35 goal scorer coming back in a month at least. So on paper, this team is much better than what they were last season. And frankly, this was a move that had to be done if you wanted to compete in this division. I heard Lou tell you guys earlier that he had the Blues still as one of the better teams in the division before Hoffman. But this move now puts you on the same level as the Colorado Avalanche, and in my opinion, ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights, because Vegas doesn't have a lot of depth at forward. They got two top lines and then two bottom lines that kind of can be good. Colorado, with the addition of Brandon Saad in the offseason – has four solid lines that can score on you as well as defense that can put points on the, um, on the board. So with this move, I think they are the, I think they're the best team in their division, but I would hear the argument that Colorado was right there with them going into the January 13th start date. Alex, can I ask you a quick Cardinals question? Give it to me. So the Padres, this is according to John Heyman. They added Blake Snell yesterday. They are apparently looking at adding you Darvish. That that sounds like it's probably going to happen. The Padres are going to trade for you Darvish as well because, you know, they okay. needed more pitching. Now John Heyman <laughs> of MLB Network is reporting, quote, the Padres have also been looking for catching help. Is Yadi oh, so a Padre? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Yadi's a Padre, guys. It goes right now. I mean, look, you just added all of this pitching. You traded away Francisco Mejia, who is one of their better catching prospects. I get it. You have Austin Hedges. You have uh, Nola. I don't even know the guy's first name, which indicates that Yadier Molina is going to have to be the guy for them. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes. Yadier Molina, this makes a lot of sense. Yadier 
young unit that wants to win a World Series. He wanted to go to a contender, which was an important factor in this. But more than anything, he's got guys that can kind of mesh with what his style is in terms of they have that kind of excitement in their game, but they also have that drive to win a a World Series championship. So, frankly, it's really not fair what the Padres are doing. We're all talking about the Mets. But it's just it's like a, it's like a major league baseball video game. Like this is somebody disabled the trade negotiations <laughs> and just figured they can do whatever they want and get guys and just build the super team. So yeah, I, I think if it's not the Cardinals guys, it's going to be the Padres. And I would uh, I would put that at a high percentage now with uh, with the moves that San Diego's been doing. It is Austin Nola. Aaron Nola is the pitcher. Austin <laughs> Nola is the catcher. See, Alex, always appreciate the, the time, buddy. Have a, enjoy your time off. We'll talk with you again soon. I appreciate it, guys. That defends my point. Yachty's going to go there because nobody knows the guy's first name. <laughs> Carrie, keep killing it. If you're, if somebody's going to Wally pit me, Carrie, I expect it to be you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Alex Ferrario, pre-post intermission host for the Blues. Also, you know, co-host of BK and Ferrario here on 101 <laughs> ESPN as well. Always appreciate him hopping on with us. Man, as I keep go- going back to this with the Padres thing. Padres, Dodgers, Mets, Phillies, Nationals, all willing to spend money. The Cubs, whenever they're, you know, right, right. Are willing to spend money. Cardinals are just going to have to start spending money. Like, I, I'm not saying they need to be spending in the top it, five. Spending it properly, though. Spending Absolutely. it on the right people in the right positions and, and, and evaluating the talent that needs to be evaluated correctly. Spending it on superstars. Don't give Dexter that, Fowler now, a five-year contract when he's not worth that. I will say that that is correct because – you know what you're getting from from a guy that has had has done it his entire career and is not, you know, over the hill or getting past that age, the prime age of, of being able to have a elite talent, spending it on the players that can continuously do it and have continues and have done it, you know, throughout their entire Spend career. Spend on the outliers. Spend on the guys that hit free agency at 26 years old because they were so damn good coming in that they had to break into the big leagues when they were 19. And you got to pay them. And you, you got to be willing to pay them. You got to be willing to pay those guys. I mean, you're, you're seeing it. We've seen it from the Dodgers. They just got Mookie Bats, who's pretty good at this baseball thing. It's pretty, pretty good. The Padres decided to do it with <laughs> one of those outliers in Machado. We've seen the Nationals pay those guys in the past. The Mets appear to be willing to pay anybody. They are connected to literally everybody right now. The Phillies did it with Harper the Braves did it a different way but they signed those guys in international markets now they've re-signed them yeah. moving forward I don't care how they get them if the Cardinals develop a superstar and re-sign him to a below market deal even better that'd be great but you just got to find a way to do that because right now the National League around you is just getting better and better seemingly by the day with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis I'm Brandon Kylie. let's talk about a potential Super Bowl contender in the Kansas City Chiefs is this team overrated right now I hope the answer to that question is no. We'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. The Chiefs are very much so bored. You know, they know who they are. They know that the playoffs are right around. This is like watching the Lakers last year. Like, they just know, all right, once we get into the playoffs, we'll kick it on. And so when they need to make the play, it's like, hey, will you, will you go make the play for us? And Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyree Kill, they all get it done. So I have no concerns about the Chiefs. That was Dan Orlovsky earlier today on ESPN saying he just thinks the Chiefs are bored. It's not that they're bad. And by the way, they've lost one game in the last 400 days. They're like 24 and one over the last 400 days. So it's not like they're losing these games. But Kerry, 
I'm a fan of this team. This is my squad. I grew up in KC. They're my team. And when you've won your last six games, I think it is at this point, by one possession, and some of those games are against teams that aren't great, including the Falcons, who very easily could have, maybe should have tied that game at the end yesterday, it's a little bit concerning Where are you at right now? Do you think that the Chiefs, who we've said all year, are clearly the favorite in the AFC? Are they overrated at this point? Or are you like Dan, where you think they're just, they're they're a little bored, and they're going to be able to turn it on once we get to the postseason? They're bored, and they are, they are, I said it earlier, they are, they are, once the playoffs hit, they'll, they'll hunker back down and get back to who they are offensively. It's just, right now, you said they're only winning games by one possession, They've actually played some very good teams, though. A couple of playoff teams, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins are more than likely being a playoff, the Saints. Um, all of those are playoff teams or playoff caliber teams. And the Raiders, who they who they lost to earlier in the season, who I don't think they will be in the playoffs because of the loss, but they are on that level as well. They are bored playing against these teams. And it's, it's just when you get to a point in the season where – you know you're in. You know you, your focus is focused so much on winning the championship that you're not in that moment right now. And I think once the playoffs hit next week, uh, they'll more than likely sit their guys down. Everybody will get a chance to that hasn't played a lot will get a chance to play, and those guys will be playing their butt off. You might see a team <laughs> this week that looks better than the team you've seen the last couple of weeks because they're energized and they want to get out there and win. And then once the playoffs start, when they have their bye week, and once they get that other week off. This team is going to go to the Super Bowl, and I think it will be. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk, but I think it will be. You know, a team that they won't be down early in the games. They will be much better than they were in the beginning of the games last year in the playoffs. So I tend to agree with what you just said. If I were to play devil's advocate, though, one thing that I think fans of the team, and I think it is fair for anybody that is not a fan of the team, would say is. Well, you just played the Falcons. You looked awful offensively. You scored 17 points, which is the fewest that the Chiefs have scored with Patrick Mahomes as their starter when he's been healthy. They scored 13 last year against the Colts, but he was on one leg at that point. That's the fewest that they've scored with Mahomes, basically, as a healthy starter for them. It's not good. And now they're not playing the starters this upcoming week. Andy Reid confirmed that a little bit ago. They're not going to play the following week. You basically have three weeks from the time when you won that game 17 to 14 against the Falcons to the time that you'll play whoever it is that they will see in the divisional round. So for fans, you look at it and you're like, man, I've got this sour taste in my mouth of the what it looked like the last time that I saw the Chiefs offense on the field. Win. It was a win. I know, but it's not, not all like wins are created lost. equally, right? Oh no. A win is a win. <laughs> I don't care how if you win if you win six to two or if you win sixty to two. It, it, a win is a win. It, no matter how you get it done. When you get there, you see my shirt right here? Victory, Victory Monday. Monday. You get Monday off when you get a win. So they, they get three Mondays there off. There you go. <laughs> it, it is. And I, I, like I said, I'm with you. I tend to think that they're going to be okay. And you've got Patrick Mahomes. And basically what you need is you need to get to the end of the season with Patrick Mahomes healthy. That was the goal last year yeah. whenever he got hurt. And they ended up getting him healthy by the end of the year. The offense took off. We all know what happened in the end. I think that's probably what's going to happen this year. I do think there is some concern about the layoff and whether or not they're going to be right by the time that they get into the playoffs, both in terms of like not looking right on Sunday and also health. Sammy Watkins is hurt right now. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it doesn't sound like he's probably going to be ready to go by that first week. Tyreek Hill has been nursing this hamstring injury the last couple of weeks. They've been without a couple of the offensive linemen for the last few weeks. Like the, the offense is just banged up right now. And so that's where the health 
hopefully will get back to normal. And if they are able to, that should help them in the postseason. But that that is something worth considering as well. Let me ask you this. They're in the playoffs. They they will get a first round by when they play in that divisional game. Which team scares you? Because I'm looking at this AFC conference and I don't see a team that scares me. Maybe the Buffalo Bills, but they wouldn't be playing them. I mean, the, who scares you and puts fear, strikes fear in the heart of Kansas City Chiefs fans? Because from where I see it, you all are sitting up here <laughs> looking at the rest of us and saying, oh, we're nervous. No, the hell you're not. You're the best team in the AFC, probably in football. And there is not a team on this AFC side that strikes fear into Kansas City Chiefs players. See, that's fans. the thing to me. I think this is a really unique year. In the AFC in particular, I think there's a lot of really good teams. Uh, not really good. Let me rephrase that. I think there's a lot of good teams. Okay. I don't think there's a whole lot of great teams. In fact, I'm I'm not 100% sure that the Chiefs are great, but I think they're at least the closest thing that we have this year to being a great team in the AFC, right? So it's hard for, like, it's almost become a, if not the Chiefs, then who, right? It's yeah. almost like, okay, the, who are you picking if you're not picking them? It, I told you this earlier. I still believe this to be the case. The team that I'm worried about is the Titans. It, <sighs> that, because they have two guys that I'm terrified of. I'm so scared of Derrick Henry in a playoff game in January when it's 20 degrees outside. The Chiefs aren't exactly the best tackling team in general. A.J. Green is a monster on the outside. He can make a play or two. And they just they have these game-breaking threats on their offense that would concern me. I don't feel that way about the Bills because I think at some point Josh Allen's going to turn into a pumpkin in that individual game. I that I, that would be the one team that I would be worried really? about. Really? Yeah, because I, I Josh Allen for all the things that were said about him coming out of the draft his first year, he is shown and he had Stefan Diggs is stud. Is a stud and he has his true number 1 receiver and you can see the difference in his play, his ability, his, he's able to move with his legs. I, that would be the one team, if I were afraid of anyone in this AFC, it wouldn't be the Titans, it wouldn't be the Colts because Phillip Rivers, even the Steelers because offensively you don't know what they're going to give you week to week. It would be the Buffalo Bills because they play defense and Josh Allen and and has 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 arrived as a, as a football player. Do you remember his league. postseason game last year against the Texans? When he tried like yeah, randomly yeah, laterally, yeah, he was just yeah. like threw the ball to no where, one in where particular. Did you say about Patrick Mahomes earlier, you just try things and then you figure out that, <laughs> that's, that's the line. <laughs> he found the line. That's the line. And I can't do that. So I don't think we'll see that again this year. He in the knew playoffs. where the line was. He like he spray painted it in front of him, and not only did he step over it, he hopscotched <laughs> over it, took a few more steps, looked back, laughed at it, and said, "Here you go. Try this one out." And went for it. He. That's just not a guy that I'm going to pick in the playoffs over Patrick Mahomes. I know that is a super simplistic way to look at it, but sometimes like th- that would be an over my dead body game for Mahomes. I just don't see any way that he would lose that one. Can I? Am I totally crazy if I say that the Browns are actually a team that I would be more worried about in the postseason yes, than you, the Bills? You would have to be crazy, and I only say that because I, I the Browns had a perfect opportunity to put themselves in position to, to possibly win the AFC North. And and just the last couple of weeks, you lose the games that they've lost. You you look at it and say, how, do, how, how? 
I, now, granted, last last night, yesterday, they had three of their starting receivers on the COVID list and unable to play. So that that obviously, but I think they threw the ball fifty times. If I didn't I'm understand not, that game. If plan. I'm not mistaken, that was weird. You I, throw the ball fifty times and you had you have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Those Figure two guys combined man. fifteen <laughs> carries yesterday against the Jets. They have no start. Their leading receivers yesterday were Austin Hooper and a guy that I watch a lot of football. I've never heard of this gentleman, Jamarcus Bradley. I've literally never heard of the guy. And he came in yesterday and finished the day with 11 targets. That's like a Tyreek Hill workload. He had 11 targets in the game. That is that is. He had as many targets as Nick Chubb had carries in the game. That's completely disrespectful to Nick Chubb because you only lost the game twenty three to sixteen. So you weren't. You, I understand. You, I think they were down uh, twenty to seven at one point. That's still not a, a, a massive uh, deficit where you cannot run the ball effectively and still get you know get yards and get points on the board. So I think Cleveland would not be a team that I would be concerned about just because you know that team that played against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. That team scares me. See, yeah, I, was, I think they can still get there. But the team that played yesterday does not. So which one are they? They're somewhere in the middle. So they that were mean, without their starting tackle yesterday, Jedrick Wills, who's been really good for them mm-hmm. this year, the, the rookie out of Alabama. They're without those receivers that you're talking about. They were banged up offensively. So should I give them a pass for that? Maybe not. But I'm going to go ahead no. and give them a pass because it was a weird game and a weird situation. I think they're going to beat your Steelers this weekend. Ah. And I'm very that, that is the other team. I the the teams that concern me the most as a Chiefs fan. Number one, the Titans. Number two, the Browns. Number three, I think on that list would be the Bills. And then I would get to your Steelers and then the the Ravens in that order. So Titans, Browns, Bills, Steelers, Ravens for me. It would be the top five in that order of the teams that I'm worried about in the AFC playoffs for the Chiefs. Hmm. I I until Pittsburgh figures out either they can run the ball or throw the ball deep, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be afraid of them. Yeah, I, I'm not afraid of them. Uh, by the way, I said AJ Green. I apologize. I mixed up the colors. It is AJ Brown, of course, that plays for the Tennessee Titans, oh, not I, AJ. I didn't even hear you say that. Green. My apologies. <laughs> Hopefully, you all knew who I was talking about. Coming up here in just about ten minutes or so. Speaking of Kerry Steelers, we're going to talk with Charlie Batch, former Steelers quarterback, Steelers radio analyst. He's going to join us coming up at one o'clock. But coming up next, let's dive into the junk drawer right here on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Powered by Randy's Jewelry. We make quality affordable. Let's go blues. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Brandon Kylie. Charlie Batch of the Steelers, formerly of the Steelers, now Steelers radio analyst, is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, let's dive into the junk drawer. Now, Kerry, I don't know how you feel about the cold, but it is officially getting into that, that part of the season, right? We're expecting snow here later on this week. There was a gentleman out in Kentucky that appears to be very much not a fan of the cold weather. (laughs) It snowed there a lot over the weekend, and he decided to recreate the Cousin Eddie scene from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where he (laughs) goes out to his front driveway, and instead of, like, you know, shoveling or going with a snowblower, no, 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 no. Those are all far too old-fashioned for this gentleman out in Kentucky that goes by the name Timothy Browning. Okay. He decided to grab the flamethrower, 
go to the driveway and just start <laughs> swinging away, big guy. He it was captured on video. His neighbors were apparently very surprised to see somebody outside with a flamethrower to get rid of their uh there's snow on their driveway. Carrie, is this something that you would try here's, at here, some point? Here, here's the thing. Timothy Browning, I saw the video and I thought that was genius because, A, A, who has a flamethrower readily right? available? B, if you do have a flamethrower readily available, that is exactly what you use it for. <laughs> I, 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 sir, why do you have a flamethrower? So that I can get rid of the snow when it comes in Kentucky. There's no other reason. Right. I want to I work smarter, not harder, is what my mother used to always tell me as a kid. That is definitely working Isn't this smarter. A, some kind of a fire hazard, though? Like, if you're in a neighborhood, I feel like this could caught. be problematic. Now, the issue is, instead of being the neighbor that videotaped it, you should be the neighbor that said, hey, how much do you charge to come <laughs> do mine? That's the neighbor I want. I don't want the guy or woman that is videotaping so me. So let's and put go it down on. this path, though. What happens then when he accidentally shoots it towards your garage door and suddenly now your, you are, your house is we, going we, up we in flames? We spoke about insurance earlier. <laughs> Maybe it was a little on premium. Hey, let me give you an extra fifty bucks. I'll give it on the go. side. This has to be an accident. There this is an is. accident. It's an right? accident. It happened. <laughs> Sometimes things happen. So, yeah, I think Timothy Browning is a very intelligent man and did a great job of of getting rid of that that snow and ice that was in his driveway. You got to get out faster. And yeah, that's what you use it for. I will say, if it's gonna be cold, I'd rather it just snow. I don't need it to be like 15 degrees outside, miserably cold, windy, and you like, it's that cold where you walk outside and your face hurts the moment that you walk out. I don't need that. I will say this, and as I've gotten older, I find it amazing that I was once able to play outside with no sleeves. And, Why do and, people and, do that? Why do guys do well, that? Well, Is it, it just it, like, hey, I'm going to prove how tough yeah, I am? Yeah, <laughs> really, because if you're when we were in Pittsburgh, we had a rule offensively, you don't wear sleeves. Hey, you can't feel the ball. When you're, can't when you're feel holding. anything when it's 10 degrees out but there. But B, when the team comes in, I, I'll give you an example. It was a game a couple of years ago where Miami came to Pittsburgh in the playoffs and the game was over in the first quarter. Antonio Brown scored a couple of touchdowns. The mindset of seeing a team outside with no coats, no sleeves, and it's below 10 degrees and we're coming from sunny Miami where it's still 80 degrees in, in January or whatever – Mentally, it changes how you look at things. But as I go outside now at almost 40 years old, I have no desire to be outside longer than 15 minutes when it's that cold. This is going to surprise absolutely nobody from our audience. But I I was not a good football player, but I played a little bit in high school, right? And so when we had had a few different games, I played out in KC at Blue Springs. We had a few different games where it was just freezing, just freezing. I'd have like seven different layers of Under Armour on. <laughs> Coach probably called the play. He's like, this guy has no chance of being able to feel where this football is at on his skin right now. I, It was the full leggings, like yeah. seven layers of socks going on. It, anything that I could do to be less miserable in the cold, it was going to be done. As a coach now, I, I prepare like that. But as a player, no, we just go out there and, and you know, you're ready to go. I I do have to ask you this as well. When it snows here, what's your go-to for shuffling? Are you somebody that will pay one of the neighbors? Are you the guy that's getting out there immediately with the shovel? I'm not immediately. What's the game plan? <laughs> I'm usually I, I try I've tried to get better as the years have gone. When I first moved into my home, I had a couple of neighborhood kids that would come and shovel the driveway for $20. Hey, here you go. Two of them. $20, get it done. Not a problem. Well worth it. Those kids are older and I think have graduated high school and gone on to college. They're Uh no longer around. So I have to get out there myself. And I I have tried to 
as it's snowing, you know, or, or right when it's fresh, get out there. And there have been times where I've waited hours and it's ice. And then I just say, you know what? I guess I'm not going anywhere. That's where a flamethrower comes there in handy. There you go. <laughs> Timothy, call me. We can talk. Yeah. The kids. <laughs> we got to get the kids on this. They're getting older now. They got to. Yes. <laughs> My son is, is getting to the age where he can get out. Back and current Steelers radio analyst Charlie Batch. What's he think about this Pittsburgh team's chances of being able to overtake Kansas City in the AFC? We'll talk about him coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Pump fake going down the middle, open, and it is caught for a touchdown. What a comeback! Juju Smith-Schuster puts the Steelers ahead. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. That audio courtesy of CBS yesterday as the Steelers make a huge comeback in that victory against the Indianapolis Colts, a game that I thought they were dead to rights in. Let's talk about that with the, uh, Charlie Batch, former Steelers quarterback, now Steelers radio analyst, joins us via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Charlie, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Nah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing very well. Thrilled to have you on. So, a huge victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday against the Colts. Did you see that one coming? Did you know that that, that was in them in that fourth quarter comeback? No, absolutely not. <laughs> and then when the first half went on and I'm thinking about a halftime and I'm thinking to myself, I said, wow, you can really hear a pin drop in the stadium. And then I realized there were no fans in the stadium <laughs> to do. <laughs> so, so I don't know what Mike Tomlin said at the half, but man, whatever he said, it really got that team going because it was a tale of two halves especially offensively. Now, Chuck, I was listening to you all in the car as I was riding, and I was I was feeling kind of the same way that you're, you're speaking about. There's no way that we're losing to this team, and, and now that we are losing, how do we come back? What do you what have you seen from this team throughout the entire season? I know they, they're throwing the ball short, throwing a lot of passes, not running the ball effectively. What, what have you seen, and what do they need to do to get right and stay right uh, come playoff time? Yeah, and it's hard because in Pittsburgh, we've always been able to run the ball, and unfortunately – they're not able to do it consistently this year. They had a lot of success early in the year where they had a couple of 300-yard games uh, at the beginning of the season. Then they went to the short passing game. And then right now you just really don't have an identity because of what you saw against the Bengals game and then ultimately what was happening uh, yesterday against the Colts. So I think they're still trying to figure that part out. But the, then the thing that I scratch my head about is 32nd in the league rushing with the Steelers. At some point as this weather starts to change, Ben is going to have to be able to turn it around and hand the ball off to a running back and be able to pick some yards up, and right now they don't have it. We're talking with former Steelers quarterback Charlie Batch here on 101 ESPN. Charlie, so let's look a little big picture now because everybody seems to view the Chiefs as the team to be, and I think rightfully so, in the AFC. Do you think the Steelers are right there as the second-best team in the AFC? Where do you think they fit into this mix and that the, the playoff conversation, if you will? Yeah, at one point I would have said yes, but right now you have to put them third only because they lost the Buffalo head-to-head. So I think that's going to be something there. And, of course, if, you know, the Tennessee can actually, you know, win that division, they just like they snuck up on people last year, you have to be concerned about where they were at. If you go back to that end of October game that the Steelers played against the uh, Titans, the Steelers had a great first half, and then they faltered in the second half. They were able to sneak out with a victory there. So it's going to be interesting just to kind of see how everything shapes out. But I think right now, short answer to your question, you have to say third at this point. 
Now, Chuck, I have on my uh, my Victory Monday shirt. I, I have not been able to wear this shirt um, in quite a while. We hadn't had a victory in a while, and then the one victory was on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, this team has, 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 has struggled, obviously. Is it, is it due to the fact of losing to Devin Bush, to losing Bud Dupree defensively? Has that changed anything on the defensive side, or are they still playing at a high elite level as they were uh, during the beginning of the season? Yeah, losing Devin, Devin Bush, that was one thing. I mean, Robert Spillane, he was a nice backup line, inside linebacker that actually was playing really well before his injury. And the reason why it happened, because it was friendly fire, and actually Vince Williams actually uh, bumped into his knee, and ultimately he's down a couple weeks. So they're looking to get him back. But the biggest impact was Bud Dupree. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he really came on uh, at the end of last year and really now as he was entering into a free agent uh, contract year, um, every, all, all expectations and high hopes were for him. And, and, and it's sad to see that loss. But just the speed, the power, the combination that he was in, that rapport that he was building with T.J. Watt was something spectacular. Right now, they don't have the, the depth at that position to, lose, to afford any more injuries. Alex Hasmith, he's playing really well at this point. But, again, he's a young guy. But if, he, if they're part of that rotation, there's nobody in there that can spill him from that perspective. So if they can stay even keel, I think they'll be okay. But this defense can't afford any more injuries. We're talking with Charlie Batch, former Steelers quarterback here on 101 ESPN. Charlie, let's talk about Big Ben for a minute because it seems like everything is kind of on him for the Steelers right now. As you mentioned, they have, they have no running game at all to speak of. So do – does he have enough left in the tank? Is he healthy enough at this point to be able to carry this team throughout the playoffs? Is that still there with big men? We saw it at times in the second half yesterday, but did, does he still have that to be able to be consistent enough in a postseason run? Yeah, I, I think he does. And I think the one thing that I kind of laugh at is you start seeing all these national reports about whether his knees are fine or bad and all of those type of things, but yet he's moving around on the field and he's not showing up on an injury report. So I'm not believing those national stories from that perspective, you know, but when you see what happened in the Bengals game and the throws that he wasn't able to make down the field, there were a lot of questions about his arm strength. But I think he proved yesterday that he can push the ball down the field in a meaningful manner when he threw that touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson and actually threaded a dime into Juju Smith-Schuster in double coverage for essentially the go-ahead touchdown there. So I think this is something that uh, moving forward, I think you'll see it, but they have to – Figure out a way, not just from a, the Armstrong perspective, they have to figure out a way to get that play-action game involved because that's non-existent at this point, but that comes with the inability to run the football. Chuck, you talked about Deontay Johnson, and, and I think I, I've heard a couple of my uh, a couple of our other teammates speak about him. He reminds me a lot of Santonio Holmes and, and maybe a little bit not quite Antonio Brown, somewhere in, in, in there. What are your thoughts on him and, and how he's been playing this year besides the drops that he's had uh, throughout the season? Yeah, and I think that's a really good comparison that you use right there because I, I like that Santonio Holmes because he gets in and out of his breaks. And people who aren't familiar with Santonio Holmes, he probably was the best hot receiver because if he caught a hot in the blitz, he was gone. He yeah. was going to split the defenders. Um, so that's kind of what you're seeing with Deontay Johnson there, and the confidence is going. But I like to see – I like where he's at right now because, yeah, he went through that little lull there with a lot of drops in that short period of span. Mike Tomlin ended up benching him, and he's responding in a big way right now. So you'd like to see that confidence from there. But if he can get it going, that's going to free a lot more things up for Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Yeah, Chuck, I want to switch gears real quick. You 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 went from being the young quarterback to being the old man in in the on the team and in the league. Mm-hmm. We we saw. I don't know if you saw the the um the news that uh, Dwayne Hopkins was just released by the Washington Football Team. What are your thoughts on that? Being a quarterback, playing that position, and 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 the thoughts of of being a young man in this league and what what it takes to be successful. Well, I think ultimately when you start thinking that you're bigger than the game, the game will humble you. And I think this is an opportunity right here for him to be humble because I'm not sure what else is going on, but just looking at it, it tells me something else internally was going up that we were unfamiliar with. We only heard about, yes, the strip club. We only heard about different COVID protocols and those things that he was breaking. But I think it was a little bit more from that perspective. But when you're immature, and there's a new coach that came in, he's not going uh, to deal with any of those issues. So for them to move on in the manner that they're moving on, I think number one is, is, is trying to get um, to right the ship with him and hopefully he gets it right. But I think from Washington perspective, they now feel Alex Smith is going to be healthy and he's going to be back next year. So it made the decision to li- uh, release Dwayne Haskins a lot easier this go around. He's Charlie Batch, former Steelers quarterback, current Steelers radio analyst. You can give him a follow on Twitter at CharlieBatch16. Charlie, we really appreciate the time today, man. I know it's a busy time for all of you guys. All the best to you and the family. Have a happy new year. I appreciate it. Happy New Year, Kerry. You're my appreciate man. It, I brother. appreciate everything you've done, man. Much success to you. Thank you, bro. That's Charlie Batch joining us here on 101 ESPN. So we were talking about this a little bit for the Steelers uh, during the break, Kerry. And right now, as of this exact moment, they're currently the number two seed in the AFC. From what I can understand, they are locked into either the two or the three spot, mm-hmm. depending on what happens with the Bills and the Steelers over the next week. If you're Mike Tomlin... Do you consider resting the starters next week, especially Big Ben, since, I mean, it doesn't really change much. You know you're either locking in that two or three spot no matter what. You're going to host a playoff game next year. It would really come down to how much you emphasis you put on that second round matchup where potentially you could be going on the road to play the Bills. But what what would you do if you're Tomlin going into this upcoming week playing against the Cleveland Browns? I think they are the opposite of of what we talked about with Kansas City Chiefs. They need that break to to kind of break up the monotony of of you know they're bored. They're not they're they're not playing well, but it's not because they can't play well. The Steelers are not playing well because they are not playing well. And and I think if you take next week off, you go into a a, a divisional a wild card weekend where. You still don't know where you are offensively, who you are offensively. Yeah, they had a very good second half to finish that game up, but offensively in the first half, too many three and outs, too many, too many, um, um, just not finishing drives, not even getting drives started. For me, I would allow those guys to play, um, maybe play first half, first three quarters, and then get them out of there, make sure nobody gets injured or gets banged up. Um, but you got to get some type of rhythm offensively. See if you can figure out a way to run the football effectively and efficiently as opposed to having to throw those short routes all the time. I don't think they're in a place mentally where they can just take this weekend off and, and this upcoming weekend off and not have those guys get more reps. They could still play basically any of the – remaining wild card teams the Dolphins Ravens Browns Colts and potentially I think it is still possible that they could end up with the Titans depending on what happens this upcoming weekend if you're the Steelers what do you think is the best matchup you've got the two AFC North teams in there and then the Dolphins Titans don't want to see those guys I don't want to see I mean because it's it's hard it's and I know this personally playing a a team three times which would be the Browns or the Ravens if you had to play them a third time would be would be extremely tough you don't know which Browns team is going to show up because, like I said, they played the Ravens extremely well a couple of weeks ago, and and the Ravens are are 
they're just a a a team that if I I, I said the team that may strike fear in me if I was the if I was the Kansas City Chiefs would be the Bills I completely missed the Ravens because you just don't they're know the X factor team they are the X factor and Lamar Jackson is the ultimate X factor so if I'm the Steelers or the or the Chiefs I don't want to see the Ravens at all because I just don't know what I'm gonna get um but yeah if I if I had to choose it would be the Titans or that Indianapolis Colts team again depending on which one of those guys make I it in think team the make Steelers it in. could do well against the Dolphins I I don't I'm not a believer yet. I think they're still. I think they're good defensively. They are amazing. Their defense and, is very good. And offensively, I think Miles Gaskin being back, they run the ball really, really well. He catches the ball out of the backfield, and and Gasecki as as a tight end does a great job of catching passes. They still, if if the Dolphins get a true number one receiver, they will be a team that is 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 on the on the verge of being a very very good football. They team. They can add whoever they want receiver wise in the draft because they've got that te- Texans pick from mm-hmm. Latin, from this upcoming season. It's gonna be the top five. There you go. They're gonna pick in the top Fine. five. If you get if they get a true number one receiver, and I'm I'm not I'm not I, I think Tua is still gonna be the 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 main quarterback there, the main guy. I think if that Dolphins team gets a number one receiver, they will be a team to watch out for. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, those guys are real good. Real, real good. Very, so very I'd be good. I'd be very interested and, and, to see what that looks Tua, like. With those guys, he he probably has a little bit of familiarity. It's Maybe. 116, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Let's play a game of in or out. In or out is coming up next on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with BK and Ferrario. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. We do have some news to give you from Major League Baseball. According to John Heyman, it is officially official. The Padres are not finished today. Ha Sung Kim, the 25-year-old shortstop out of the KBO, has officially signed with the San Diego Padres. It is, according to John Heyman, very specific here, at least a four-year deal. So we don't have any more specifics than that. But as of right now, we know that Ha Sung Kim, the shortstop out of the KBO, has signed with the Padres on at least a four-year contract. It was reported to be earlier today, somewhere around 6 or $7 million per year. So I bet, if I had to guess, four-year 30, something like that, four-year 25, somewhere in that range. So a nice signing by the Padres. Let's start with this, Kerry. In or out, the San Diego Padres will at some point in the next three years win a World Series. I'm going to go in, and I will say in because of what they're doing pitching wise they, like they're it. out here and and, and I think it, I think it would be just good for baseball I think the team that the way that they play baseball the way that they the enthusiasm that they show for the sport for the love of the game I think it's just a, a, a change in what we've grown accustomed to throughout our entire lives and this is what baseball is this is what these young guys do they enjoy it they you should enjoy it and we talked about if they were able to get a a, a catcher from the city of St. Louis that is, has been a, a a guy that is... It rhymes with schmotty? Schmotty. <laughs> Mo, Molina. Schmotty or Schmolina? Schmolina. Um, I think that would be the guy, kind of the rock that they need to, to to solidify, you know, that young team, that young core of players and, and, you know, allow them. It would just work well for both of them. He would give them what he's, what he's learned and they would be able to give him that enthusiasm and, and that energy that they have. So... Yes, I'm in on I this. In. I'm in. I think the Padres are going to be a damn good baseball team, and weird stuff happens, right? Baseball is strange, and there are injuries, and, and there's, it's a long season. 
There's stuff that happens. So will it happen this year? I don't know. But the Padres are setting themselves up for a nice little run here, similar to the Dodgers. Do you, do you get a feel kind of like of, of what the Cubs did a few years ago with that youth uh, injection and, and guys yeah. just enjoying you know, the game and playing the way, you know, playing, playing it in their own style as opposed to, you know, what, what we've grown accustomed to. And similar to the uh, to the Cubs a few years ago, they've also got some veteran presence, yes. right? Y- you look at the Padres right now, Eric Cosmer is kind of that Rizzo type of a presence right. in that locker room where he is a veteran, but he's also been around a team right. like this before. Right. Like the Royals in 2014 and 2015 were very enthusiastic. Yeah. They had a lot of guys that played with a lot of enthusiasm, similar to the way that the Padres are playing. So he fits well mm. out there right now. So I love this team. I love what they're doing. I'm so glad there's somebody else in the National League right now that is really going for it, along with the Dodgers. I wish that team was the Cardinals, but it is what it is. I I do think at some point in the next three years, the Padres are going to be able to win it all. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out. In or out, Kerry Davis. Are you in or out on the Blues going with the veterans over forcing some of the kids into bigger roles already? Um, in. I, I, I mean, when you when you've done it, Hoffman has has done it, and they are signing a guy that that we talked about has scored at least twenty goals in in five to six consecutive seasons. Getting that that influx of of goal scoring with Tarasenko being out for no one knows for how long. Um, yeah, you got to you got to get those guys in there. And, and that doesn't mean we talked about it earlier with, with Alex. I think that that rises the level of talent for those other guys. That their play has to rise because there's not guaranteed that they're going to play or get the minutes that they they may have thought they were going to get with with more veterans coming in. So everyone's talent, everyone games rises and your team becomes a much better team. What I love about Doug Armstrong is that he's honest. He's honest about where the team is in its life cycle, right? Every team, you've seen this up close and personal, uh, Kerry, every team has a life cycle. You're contending in a certain period. There's right. a window where you're in contention. And then, in mo- especially cap sports, there's a window where you have to have a little bit of a down period. Right. And then you get back into the contention, and it cycles through like that. That's why we love um, the way that these sports go, especially NFL, hockey. There's ups and downs and peaks and valleys. The Blues are in that window. And Doug Armstrong said two years ago, we're in the start of a five-year window where we really think we can win big. Well, you're in the middle of that right now, and he's making good on it. He's still trying to double down on the fact that they need as many quality players, guys that they know are proven and can produce with the ice time that they are given. He went out, saw a guy that could help them, and he signed him. Does that mean that Jordan Kyra is not going to get as many opportunities this year? Yeah. And guess what? Well, that's it, fine it, by that, me. That, that's Figure on that him. out later. That's on him. If Absolutely. He, if he wants the opportunities, he got to play better. You got to play well. I think the thing that that when you have front office that is honest, when you have owners that are honest and tell you the truth about what it is, you respect those guys more. You play harder, and you understand that nothing is going to be given to you. You have to earn every single opportunity that you that you want. And if you don't earn it, you don't get it. And I think that's what Army has done. Hey, this is who we are. This is what we need. Either live up to those standards or don't play or don't or you're not here. It's it's it's, it's that simple. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for in or out from the three one four. Guys, in or out, Dwayne Haskins is going to go down as one of the worst first round quarterbacks in NFL history. Yeah, is that a texter? Is that it a, is a texter, sir or ma'am? There's a there's a person named Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> was a first round quarterback for the Oakland Raiders at the time. Um, was 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 not good not good it was legend has it that his coaches gave him a blank excuse me gave him a cd and asked him which one of the plays he liked 
went home, brought it back the next day, said, Coach, you know what? I love them all. <laughs> we can run all of those. I can complete every single pass on them. And the blank and the CD was a blank CD. Not a single play. There was not anything for him to look at, nothing for him to study, which clearly he was not doing anyways. Do you know how bad, Kerry, you have to be for you to have a three-year NFL career and be done? Done in the league as a number one overall pick. He was cut by the Raiders in 2009 at the age of 24 years old. He's 24, and he never got another shot. And in Jamarcus's defense, he made a whole lot of money. He did. He did. <laughs> Listen, I don't know of many jobs where you can make that much money in that short a time. And, you know, it, it, I, I'm sure if you were to ask Jamarcus, he would, he would laugh and say, I don't care what the hell you think. I'm going to go chill on this boat over here and you guys figure it out. Jamarcus Russell made $40 million. In three years. Well, he got paid for the fourth. Got $3 million in year four because it was guaranteed what to was him. was no signing matter. bonus? This it's, is before the, the rookie cap. Yeah, this yeah. is when they were still making all of that yeah. money. Let's look this up real quick. So Jamarcus <laughs> Russell, number one overall pick, signed a six-year, $61 million deal, including $32 million guaranteed at the moment that he signed. That's insane. Jamarcus doesn't care about anything that we're talking about in this moment. <laughs> First round bus, whatever. $32 million. That's unbelievable. Dwayne Haskins hopefully gets another opportunity to play in the league. I don't think it'll be as a quarterback, as a starting quarterback. If it is, he will have to work his way up to, to prove that he deserves it. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's the worst first round bust for a quarterback in NFL history. I don't think he's the biggest bust, but he's heading down a path of being a pretty massive now, bust. He will be a legend for what he did. I mean, there there, there will be stories five, ten years from now. During the pandemic, there was a quarterback that went to a strip club without a mask on and lost his captaincy and his starting job and his and his To the his former Battlehawks backup quarterback. <laughs> in a week. So, yeah. That, that he will go down in history for that. He, he certainly will. <laughs> the, the crazy thing, too, is like teams are just moving on from these guys quicker. We talked about this a little bit ago, or a little while ago. I mean, Josh Rosen was the 10th overall pick in a draft. And the next year, he was traded to the Dolphins for a second round pick because the Cardinals were like, eh, he's not the answer. We're going to go get Kyler Murray. They got Kyler Murray. The Dolphins traded for Rosen. And he's never basically played since. Yeah. One year and it's over. It's kind of the world we live in now. If it's not right now, we got to figure something else out. It's wild, man. It's wild. He's Kerry Davis. He is a Super Bowl champion and an Illinois grad. What does he think of Illinois? I got to get his thoughts on this because I'm very lukewarm on the hire. What does he think of Illinois hiring Brett Bielema? We'll get his full extended thoughts on that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK. And Ferrario on 101 ESPN. So I thought coming into today, I had planned, you know, we've got Kerry Davis in studio. I want to talk Illinois football with him. We don't talk a ton of Illinois football. I got to get with, with good reason. Got to pick his brain. <laughs> they made a big hire. There was a big announcement. We talked with Josh Whitman about it. I told him straight up. I'm not a huge fan of the hire, but I, I asked him, hey, what went into this decision, right? So I figured we'd come into this segment, we'd talk about Illinois football, and Kerry Davis, the alum, the <laughs> Illinois alum, would be able to sell me on the fact that Brett Bielema 
is not only the answer at Illinois, but he was the only answer for Illinois football. I get the feeling, Carrie, that that's not going to be the case. You told me that this could be my therapy session, so I'm going I'm to see if Ryder can bring us a couch in here so I can lay down and speak to you all and, and just spew out my thoughts. So what happened? I, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, as an alum, we have to give him a chance. That's the that's the narrative that I've heard over and over and over again. Um, but I wasn't enthused by it. I wish there would have been more of a, a, a search and I'm partial. One of my guys is is Kirby Wilson. He he's actually the running back coach for the Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders right now, and has been for the last couple of years, thirty plus years coaching. Um, you know, has has coached multiple Hall of Famers, won a couple of Super Bowls, and he went to Illinois. And that's a guy that I at least wanted them to give an interview to, because if you interview multiple people, you get to see multiple styles, you get to hear multiple um, um, thoughts on how they plan on making the university, the football program. Uh, better elite, which I believe in my heart of hearts, and most people think I'm crazy, but I believe that the University of Illinois football team can win the Big Ten repeatedly if you get the right people in there because of the talent in Missouri, the talent in Illinois, the talent in Indiana, and not allowing those kids to go to Northwestern or go to Notre Dame or go to I was about to say, Michigan. we just saw Northwestern play in the Big Ten Championship game, so it's not, it's not far-fetched. It's not far-fetched at all that, that, that the, the University of Illinois can beat Big Ten in the Big Ten Championship um, over and over and over again if you get the right guys in there. What do I expect from Brett Bielema? I have no clue. I mean, I don't what know. What are your hopes? That, that was my biggest concern with this is because do I think Brett Bielema can get you to 6-6? Six and six? I do. I really do. I, I think he's capable of that. I, he got pretty close to that even at Arkansas, and that's, a, that's an even tougher job given the division than it is at Illinois. But what's the ceiling was my concern with this because I, I, I've seen him do it at Wisconsin – but if you can't do it at Arkansas, what makes me believe and, that you can do it at Illinois? And that's my fear is is I think most people are, are assuming we're getting the, the Brett Bielema from Wisconsin. But I, my fear is we're getting the Brett Bielema from, from Arkansas. And, and what is he going to implement offensively, defensively? What is our identity? Because I don't feel like – I think when we hired Lovey Smith – I think I know what it is. I don't think you're going to like it, but I think you know what it is. I'm a realist. I'm honest. So whatever you think it is, I probably agree. You're going to be playing man ball. I mean, he's going to get up there. He's going to he's gonna try to have 350-pound offensive linemen. He's going to run it down your throat, and he's going to try to beat Wisconsin with their own game, and, which and seems like a losing proposition to me. I, I, I'm not sure that that works. So who are they? I think when we hired Lovey Smith, I thought process would be – we would if we were nothing else we would be stout defensively we would be we would shut people down we would get after the quarterback running they would not be able to run on us and you give up 400 plus yards to northwestern in this final game rushing so that's not who they were i think the game was just you know i i i think lovey smith is a great person but i think the game had sort of passed him by in, in what he was accustomed to doing and to what teams were doing now what is Brett Bielema going to bring to this team offensively, defensively, and what are they going to do? Who are? What is the identity going to be of this Illinois football team? Because I don't know that you can get 350-pound linemen from the state of Wisconsin like he did to go to the University of Wisconsin. I don't know that those guys are going to come to the University of Illinois. So getting in there, recruiting, getting guys that, that, that want to stay home, stay at the university, not go to Notre Dame, not go to Michigan – coming into St. Louis, getting some of these kids that don't want to go to Ohio State, that don't want to go to you know other programs around the country. There's plenty of talent 
in the surrounding areas. Lovey Smith went to Florida and got a bunch of Floridians to come up to Illinois. And and there is a difference, you know, coming from that state, coming from that environment to, to the University of Illinois. And those kids, I, not, not, I, I would never knock a kid, but I don't know if those kids were prepared or are prepared to play at the University well, of tough. Illinois. Yeah. It's different. So it's culture shock. It, it definitely is. So I, I just want to see what his plan is for recruiting, what his plan is offensively, defensively, special teams, and and who he is and what he is. Because the stories of him out there are are numerous, and you all, you can go look it up. You know, but who he is and what he is and, and what will he bring to the university and, and how will he allow us and help us to become what I believe we can be. So I think if you – if you were KU, Kansas, and you decided, you know what, we're going to give this a shot with Brett Bielema, I'd be like, okay. You're in a you're in the Big 12 where everybody's throwing it around. They've got all these small linebackers. You want to start going a little bit more f- with the physicality, and you want to see if that can work. You're going to go a different style. While everybody else is zigging, you're going to zag. Okay. I don't know that it's going to work, but I see where the thought process is there, right? When you're Illinois and you go up against Northwestern, who's playing physical style football, Iowa, Wisconsin, your goal is now going to be, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try to go physical style football against the best teams in our division where that's exactly the same thing that they are doing right now. That That's where the... The thought process behind it, the appeal of it, it, it loses me a little bit. I've seen what Minnesota has done where they went out and they got P.J. Fleck, who is this young, energetic, throw it all around. I'm not a huge P.J. Fleck guy, but at least I, I understand what he's trying to accomplish there. Something like that was the style of hire that I was hoping that Illinois did. And then they went and did the opposite. They got the opposite type of a guy. The, the problem you run into with that is is, is going to be the same song and dance that we've heard as Illinois fans for the last three or four hires. Well, now I got to get my guys in here because if that's the type of offense you run and you don't have those guys in-house, so now you got to wait two or three recruiting periods to get those guys in the first year, they're not going to be ready. Second year, maybe they're ready. They get a little bit stronger. But by the third year, you expect your guys to be ready to rock and roll and if you aren't winning by that point, then you got to start all over again. Over again. So, so I hear you, but like I'm a Mizzou guy, right? I, I went to Mizzou. That's my school. I've seen it with Drinkwitz. It doesn't have to take three years, it right? It doesn't. And, and that's that's the thing is like if you have a guy that can come in, and at the very least, like Illinois should not be two and six. This is not a program that should be at the cellar in the Big Ten. Maybe they shouldn't also be six and two, but two and six is absurd. And so if you got the right guy next year. You could get that team to 500. You could get them back to respectability, and that's that's what you should be hoping for, I would think. But may, maybe I'm off on that. I, I I hope that that's what he is, and that's who he is, and I hope that he can he can get those guys to rally around him. I don't. I'm not sure that 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 is possible. We'll see. I I I am. I I bleed orange and blue. I love the University of Illinois. I want nothing but success for those young men. I want them to have that that opportunity to win, win championships. You know, go to bowl games and and have that life experience, but I need to see what he's going to do. And and I, as personally, if I hear him say, "I got to wait till I get my guys in here," I might snap. I might lose it. I might really lose it because I've heard that song. I've heard that story for the last three or four hires, and no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Get the job done, man. If you can't get it done, move. 
Get away. Go somewhere else. And the other thing no is this is the perfect offseason, right? Because the, every transfer that you bring in, and they're going to have to bring in some transfers to be able to help them out a little bit next year, they're all immediately eligible. Yeah. Everybody you bring and, in, ready to go from day one. And you can have the guys back from this year that would have graduated. They can play another season if they choose to do so. So you really have no excuses for, for who can be in, who's here, what's here. Everything is readily available to you. But if you don't do well, I cannot. I just, I, you, you'll see it. You'll hear, you'll see it. You'll hear about it. I'm gonna snap, and I just won't be able to take it anymore. I hope that the hire works out for Illinois. I hope that they made the right decision. I fear that hoping. they didn't. I fear that they didn't, and I think that there were some other options out there. I, I even think Jeff Monken would have been a better hire. Well, I, I think if you, I, and I'm not sure how the how the process went, but I think if if you interview multiple people, you know, get a search firm that to to actually get those candidates in and and interview multiple people. And I'm not sure how many people if if he interviewed any. I don't think he interviewed any other than Lovey Smith when he hired Lovey. If you interview multiple people, you can get ideas and understand what different different concepts or, or, or mindsets of those guys are, and you can play off of that and figure out which guy suits what it is you think the University of Illinois is and go from there. He's Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, Illinois grad, one of the greats. We really appreciate him hopping in studio with us today as Alex Ferrario's out. I'm Brandon Kiley. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. That is Kerry Davis. He's a Super Bowl champion. Huge thanks to Luke Clevenger holding things down on the board for us today. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything today, we talked a ton about the Blues. Mike Hoffman going to be your newest Blue. We talked about it with Luke Korak. Guy Alex Ferrario hopped on the show. All of that is available after the show on the 101 ESPN app and 101ESPN.com podcast page brought to you by i promise crossing things over jamie rivers is in studio jamie how was your christmas man it was fast and furious boys i'm telling you what it gets crazier (laughs) every year the kids get older and there's more damage done but it was great. It was a lot of fun. What was their favorite gift? Because they, they let you know what their favorites oh, and least favorites are. What do you think went over the best at the Rivers household this With year? With the three oldest? Cash. They're like, this oh, yeah. is great. Now you can't screw up the gifts. There we'll go. go buy it ourselves. <laughs> uh, of course, they like they like getting like the my, my oldest daughter, like the Lululemon outfit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I got to go get a home equity mortgage <laughs> here to take care of this Lululemon. I saw there was a New York Post article yesterday. Apparently, they got a bunch of sales going on now. Oh, imagine that. So congratulations, yeah. Shane. I might Good buy timing. now for next year, although they'll change all the styles, Everything right? will be different. Oh, yeah. my God. But no, it was great. I had, I had a great Christmas. Um, lots of fun. It's too bad it's over. Yeah, you say that, I say no. I'm so thankful that it, these kids will, will, they drain you. My son is eight, as I was saying, and I, the toys obviously weren't enough because dad had to play every single thing that he wanted to play in. By about three o'clock, I was like, hey, son, you got to figure something else out. We've been up, he woke up at 7 a.m. ready to rock and roll, and I'm like, hey, we've been doing this for a long time. I, I need to rest. Dad needs to, to, to sit down, recharge his battery, <laughs> 
You got a plenty of toys. Go find one and get away from me. Please. Well, that's the thing, right? You buy them the toys, and you're like, okay, this is great. They're yeah. going to love it. Yeah. I get to kick back, put my feet up, maybe have a cocktail, maybe a coffee. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. Right. But I figured out over the last decade, at least... I become the play toy yeah. because they don't want like they don't want to play with each other because they don't want to share the gifts and so then they're like well hey dad 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 yeah like when we go get around the pool like I'm I'm at the age now where I can I become the pool toy hey throw us <laughs> hey do this hey dad do this I'm like you got a pool you, would you and do you it have yourself? friends or siblings do that with them yeah. that's what they're here for yeah no. I don't know how you guys do it Kara's Kara's sister has two kids both very young one five one one. It, I look around sometime because, like, you're playing with them, right? Same way, like you were saying, uh, Carrie. And I'll go for like an hour, and I'm like, <sighs> <Yeah>. you're tapping <laughs> out, right? Yeah. My back's starting to hurt. I'm like, I, I need somebody else to tap Tag in. Yeah. I can't do it. Tag I can't off. do it anymore. Uh-huh. Anyway, like, they come and go, right? They come to the house. They're there for like a few hours, and then they head back to their place. I don't have to do it 24-7. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. I am convinced anybody that is a parent is a superhero <laughs> well, for what they have to put up. Could you please it's send that voicemail to my kids? Because <laughs> apparently I'm not they much of anything. They do not care. <laughs> they could care less. They do not care about what you had to do, what you have to do, when you have to do it. It's about them in that How do you moment. get work done? That, that's my biggest question. Is like, because why it's do you constant, think I'm awake right? at one it's o'clock constant. in the morning? <laughs> I don't understand. At one o'clock in the morning, I'm doing work or midnight because that's when the kids sleep is the only time, and they'll stretch that. They yes. stretch it, and all of a sudden, you'll you'll think you're in the clear and. Hey, you get a text. I, hey, Dad, bring me a water. Yeah. And there's no way you can watch your own TV shows because like the, their movies are on my son, and they're just on repeat all time. My son said, why do you stay up so late? It's because the, the only time <laughs> I have to myself, son. That's why I'm up. <laughs> That's it. You go to sleep. I get to stay up a few more hours and do something that I enjoy. Sometimes I think I live a busy <laughs> life. And then, I'll, then I'll talk to somebody with kids, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was able to watch 12 hours of football yesterday. <laughs> That's pretty great. We should take you out right now for saying that. I, I sat on the couch starting at like 11 o'clock on all my daily fantasy lineups set, put in my bets. I was ready to go. FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app. Open that bad boy up. I was good. All day long. And I sat there from long, about Kate. 10 o'clock until about 10.30 last night oh when the last God. football game ended. I put on Shit's Creek, watched that for an hour, and I went to bed at about midnight. It was I got great. to watch half of a football game. One entire half without being disturbed. And I thought I had won the Super Bowl. You were excited. Good I was time. so excited. I looked around like three times. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I'm waiting. I'm being punked, That's right? the thing. When, they, when they're quiet, you're like, oh, I don't even want to move from this spot because they hear my footsteps and they'll start asking questions. So I'm just going to sit here uncomfortable for the next 20 or 30 minutes if I'm allowed that. And it's not just the kids, right? So we got the two dogs as well. We got the puppy who's just mm. a year old. And I sit there and I'll hold a pee. Okay, I'll hold a pee for like 25 to 30 minutes. The reason I hold my pee, if I get up, the dog jumps yep. up and he wants to go yep, outside. Yep. And now I got to take the dog. Now, he doesn't want to just go pee and come in. He <laughs> wants to hang out for yeah. a bit. So we play the door and game. And it's like five degrees outside, yeah. so we got to go in and out and in and in out. In and out. You sit there. You just sit there in, in your peace. <laughs> and then when you, you do finally get to go to the restroom. You barely breathe if you have to, but don't move a muscle. You become David Blaine. <laughs> Jamie's sitting in the bathroom for an hour. Kids and the dogs are like, where'd Jamie go? That's the go? other spot. I go Dad? in there and just sit there. Oh, they don't care. Yeah. I go in there to use the facilities, right? The, the old, not number one, the old, the other one. What you doing? And, no, they, they get the thing. They unlock it. 
They come in and they're like, hey, I got, I'm like, you couldn't ask through the door? I didn't think you could hear me. So I'm like, come on in. We had a meeting the other day. We had one dog in there, two kids, and my wife come busting in. I'm like, don't worry about me. One of you guys want to wipe? Yeah, there's a. Well, Jamie, uh, this has been an absolute blast. It's great to see you, man. Happy to see that you're, see you guys too. Uh, you're back in studio. What is coming up today on the Fast Lane, my man? Well, we're going to talk about this guy named Mike Hoffman, something like that. I've heard Hoffman, something about Hoffman. him. Hoffman? Been about no, him just kidding. Look, we're going to talk a lot of Blues hockey today. There's certainly a lot to discuss. We're obviously going to discuss the NFL. There are a lot of great things happening. Uh, some of the, the, the storylines for some of these games are awesome, and I love that the fact that we're going into the last week of the season, and there's games that mean something yeah. out there. That's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. Especially, I mean, your Sunday night football game, what could mean more than yeah. the NFC East title on the line? Yeah. Well, well, oh, well, 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 the well, 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 one. That? The deuce division. That's what I call it. Oh, yeah, the deuce division. Yeah, I'd almost decline right. that playoff spot. Like, I don't want to go in there. Well, that's the thing. Like, the Cowboys are basically deciding right now, do we want a top seven or eight pick, or do we want to go to the playoffs? Like, yeah. that, that's the decision that's going to be happening it's this tough. week. It's going to be interesting. You guys have any guests coming on today, Jamie? We're working on a few. Okay. Uh, we've got some uh, some hooks in the water. We're hoping that Mike Hoffman and his travels might give us a call here today. Oh, nice. If not, we're looking to get him uh, probably tomorrow or the day after. But no, apart from that, you're going to be stuck with Stalter and I and Brad Barnes. So buckle up. Looking forward to that. Sounds that like is coming it. up today from 2 to 6. Carrie, it was an absolute pleasure. It's been too long, my man. Thrilled to have you back into the mix. Appreciate it. Thanks to Luke Clevenger, who will be back with us tomorrow. We will have Jeremy Rutherford for the three hours tomorrow. Mark Saxon's going to be in with me on Wednesday. Fast lane coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, right here on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.